Hello and welcome back to Writer and Geek Show. This is your host Shankar, and I have an update for you. So Vishnu and I will be taking a break from podcasting for a month, which is like four weeks, so that we can sort a few things out in our personal lives and uh, you know our work life. So over the course of this four weeks, we will be recasting some of the episodes we have done. from the catalog of one or two episodes that we have uh, completed over these 3 years it's been quite a journey like if you look at it we recently released our 100th episode and we never imagined we'd reach here and it was all made possible by you if it was not for your support and the love that you've shown this would have never been possible so this first week we are going to recast the episode that we did with Nikesh Murli from Indian Noir. We talk a lot about horror and our experiences with supernatural things, and hope you enjoy it. So Nikesh thank you so much for joining us today this has been a great pleasure having you on the show so would you want to start with uh, you know introducing who you are and what you do and stuff like that sure uh, thank you for having me guys and uh, look this is very exciting to be on the show to be on india's premium popular culture podcast the writer and the geek show and um look i i feel like indian noir has peaked and for those of you who don't know what indian noir is indian noir is a, a storytelling podcast um it's india's most popular adult storytelling podcast and it covers horror and crime stories and i am nikesh murli if you don't know me uh, i've been professionally writing for 15 years um i then went off writing uh i did other things in my life got into voice acting and then that really took off and i thought you know what how about i go back and pursue my love for writing and telling stories so the two came together in the form of indian noir um and it's been a, a wonderful journey with regards to the podcast in terms of listener numbers and feedback and the critical acclaim and that's brought me to the show talking to both of you <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing nikesh it's it's always great to be able to do uh, things that you really want to do in life and um, i think you have put us in a really high pedestal uh, yeah. feeling <laughs> <laughs> I, i i think the roof will be blown off <laughs> we don't mind a little bit of help from your side anyway that we accept whatever you said yeah. <laughs> and the feeling yeah. is mutual as well. <laughs> but look i i have to be nice to extra nice to you guys because people who are listening to this who are not aware of this um i had uh, uh, invoked both vishnu and shankar as characters in an episode of um um season 1 of fear fm which is the horror horror story on indian noir uh, and um taken them on a bike journey and then brutally murdered them uh, i mean it was terrible some people i think wept at the at the sounds of vishnu being squished to pulp um so i've been extra nasty to them so i'm going to take this opportunity to be extra nice to them in fact i'm so happy that you've decided to invite me to the podcast after that's that. awesome <laughs> and we are going to play that clip in sometime so keep uh, you know listening to this episode we are going to put that clip out for you all to listen and um i did share that uh, that episode with few of my friends and 
they had little difficulty looking at my face afterwards. <laughs> they were like, dude, you know what? Every time I look at you, I remember that episode and whatever happened to you. <laughs> and yeah, if you haven't already figured out, that's the reason why you are on the show. <laughs> yes, right. This is what I should do. Kill more, kill more Indian podcasters on the show. <laughs> so we'll dwell deeper into, you know, your uh, storytelling and um, the way you conceptualize all these stories and the way you ca- uh, come up with these characters and the way to brutally murder them and all that uh, stuff a uh, little later in the podcast. But um, you being into into the horror uh, genre, right? We want to talk a little bit about why horror is so uh, such an interesting subject for people and why human beings are always associated with something uh, that is horrifying, yeah. right? So, so I think we'll start a conversation from there and sure. uh, then move into the different aspects of horror and how horror is there in the culture around us and in movies and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think a good starting point for us would be just to talk about why horror would have uh, penetrated its way into human life. And um, if you think quite simply about it, um, as an early human in an unknown world without the aid of science, your ancestors pass away and it's difficult for you to process things like dead, uh, like death. And it's easy. You can see how easily you would create these constructs that they have gone on another journey, that they are in another plane, that they might be able to reach out to you. So these varying levels of wish fulfillment that would exist in these stories that would have, um, created the early, um, seeds of horror. Um, and you see that very clearly in, um, the stories about ancient cultures, uh, a lot of the Abrahamic and Egyptian mythology, as you are aware, have these stories about p- the dead journeying across the river or journeying into another plane from whence they are able to reach out to us. So um, from very early on, that would have been the sort of domain. Does, does that does that sound like something that, that, that would have been the trigger for you guys as well? Okay. Oh, Nikesh, you know what? Uh, Shankar and I have our jaws dropped down to the floor. <laughs> I am actually looking at Vishnu and making a... WTF sign. I'm like, this, this is like a Eureka <laughs> moment. You know? Exactly. We have never thought about horror uh, yeah. in the way that, that you just mentioned. Because um, although we talk a lot about ghosts and what all the other stuff, right? We never thought about this kind of, uh, um, you know, this is the, this is the origin of uh, how horror got into human life. And the way you have just described it, I think that is the that is actually the perfection that you cannot, uh, uh, you know, you cannot describe it any better. I think that that yeah. is how it uh, exactly started. I think to add to it, like we both have been more into, you know, the scientific side of everything. So mm. we have not really believed in paranormal activities and all that because of that. Yeah. So we have never seen it from that perspective, which you just explained. Mm. And it, it's just so brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> So, so, so uh, as you said, it's true that, you know, um, at least in the early days, whatever human being cannot explain uh, yeah. because science was nowhere, right? There was no yeah. scientific proof. No, there was no, no, no science at all. That is when everybody got into paranormal, you know, paranormal activities and all the supernatural things to start explaining about how things worked in this nature, right? Yeah. Uh, let's say, even if it is rain, when people didn't know what rain, where is rain coming from, we always thought that Indra is Indra or uh, some other god from the sky, he's just showering uh, water on us yeah. or something like that. 
yeah that brings me to something i had read about a few weeks back like it's about an african tribe which believes that uh, the the planes aeroplanes which pass through their you know la- land it's like some god godly thing wow. because they don't they don't have an explanation about what it is right yeah, there, yeah. there's a movie called gods must be crazy yes, also right yes, i mean yes, they, yes. They, yeah they get a bottle and they start believing okay. that is god so it's i so what you just described it's just blow blow yeah. our mind i i'm you curious know. ask coming from what you were saying like so going from the those sort of early belief systems you can see how that would have then immersed uh, or merged with uh, classical storytelling so like if you look at the greek myths um uh, you would see uh, lots of monsters like the hydra cyclops mm-hmm. um and similarly indian mythology has those elements as well which are a bit horrifying so have you guys not encountered it in like in indian mythology in terms of your life in india um the, the horror elements that are in there oh i would say that we were since the time that we were born i think we have encountered all these stories uh, as as children now that now we are uh, probably at a place where we have an understanding of how things work hmm. but i still remember when we were small right um it usually starts from your pa- parents or your grandparents right they have the, all these fantastic fantastic stories about how um there is good and evil and evil mm. tries to you know lead you to down the path of uh, you know bad things and you should always be praying to god so that you are kept away so there are these regional gods and you know demigods with all this evil superpower and all those kind of things and i we were brought up uh, you know partly in kerala and yeah. kerala is a land with many many different deities and superstitions and all those kind of things uh, yeah. the society uh, is uh, you know uh, it's an amalgamation of all these kind of things right so as mm. we grew up there were all these uh, even every single temple had a history behind it and if you go to a temple yeah. you'll see good and evil let me give you an example so uh, we are from a city called trishur in kerala yeah. uh, it's no, known as the cultural capital of india uh, of kerala and lot of lot of temple it's known for the number of temples that the 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 city has um it's called trishur because there are three shiva temples famous shiva temples also and uh, the yeah. one one of them the most i think one of the names is trishiva perur isn't it trishur is trishiva yeah. perur yeah Trishiva yes. Perur is a real name uh, yeah. because there are three Shivas and now that yeah. got shortened during the British time and it became Trishul now. Right. Um, so one of the temples called Vadakuna, the temple, right? Um, it's in the center of the city uh, and people are discouraged from going near the temple at night uh, because they say that you hear strange sounds of uh, someone hitting something with a hammer kind of a thing. The mm. story surrounding that is that uh, since we are all in Kali Yuga right now, according to, uh, you know, Hindu mythology, mm. um, there is a stone which grows in size uh yeah. and that stone is visible if you go to the temple you can see the stone and you can see some marks on top of the stone like if someone is hit uh, hit the stone with some heavy object right so the story goes like um, shiva comes out every night in an effort to try and prevent uh, kali from growing in this age he tries to hit the stone and you know reduce the height of the stone so so the the effect of kali is directly proportional to the you know height of the stone <laughs> that's, and what that's incredible i i didn't know that about the varakanathan temple that right. that's incredible story um and you know just yeah. you saying that reminded me and because i i part part of, part of my childhood was spent in kerala as well i had this sudden mental image of my uh, my great aunt uh when we used to have power cuts and we see flames going across the fields she would tell me that's all the modern the modern mar are traveling across the fields uh, there are these you know 10 foot giants 
that are going on a procession through the paddy fields to climb up on the rocks to look across the their empire. <laughs> you know, when he said that story, it reminded me of, of that. that. Yeah, I think a part of that was also to keep the kids safe as well, right? I mean, sure. um, not necessarily from the evil of supernatural, probably from other stuff like, you know, wild animals or falling yeah, into yeah. a pit or something like so that don't, they don't go out at late at night. So they came up with all these, uh, you know, crazy stories and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and that's the trademark of early horror too. Like it serves as a, as a, as a warning to prevent you from going into certain places after dark because, you know, you are likely to be either heard by animals or the state of the treacherous geography there. So you have all these horror stories about the grove that early humans would have perpetrated. Um, and, you know, some of them are directly linked to power structures in society. When the priestly class became, uh, wanted to become more powerful, they needed a, a, a tool to wield. And while they have religion to bring people in, in line, it's horrifying tales that would really prevent someone from challenging them. So, you know, just as you rightly pointed out, they would have served as warnings. And the thing with horror stories and children, it's, you know, it's, a collection, it's got such a major connection, the Grimm's fairy tales. Um, a lot of the stories that you were mentioning, like the one that my great aunt would have told me um, when I was a child, um, they're all about preventing um, uh, terrible accidents or any bad uh, um, you know, events from occurring when a child goes out to play in the woods. That's right. And I think another purpose that these, uh, you know, devil and all those kind of negative, um, you know, forces. heroes or what forces played is that they made the heroes look better. Mm. And uh, they say, right, every hero needs a villain. So unless you have something horrifying, you cannot show the God or uh, the hero in a, in their their true glory, right? I mean, yeah. If they don't, if evil doesn't exist, there is no use for good to exist as it well. Reminds me of MI too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I love that movie, by the way. I just love MI too. I think that is our favorite movie as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was so cheesy and wonderful, and the action's great. Um, but uh, you know, I think the, I think more than the duality of horror, um, what's happened over a period of time is it's become complex through literature and art and movies. And I think two things that I'll talk about today that's influenced me as a writer and a storyteller that would eventually go on to make podcasts on this topic would be my experience with it in literature. So I did a bachelor's in literature. Um, that was my first bachelor's that I did. And so that really helped me engage with literature in general, uh, but also horror literature in particular. So the Term horror first comes into play in the 1764 novel called The Castle of Otranto. Uh, and it uh, is then taken on by writers like Anne Radcliffe and Matthew Gregory Lewis, who wrote The Monk. Um, and it's, it's in this elemental stage. So this duality thing that we are talking about. But then it just really has this... Um, explosion in terms of its quality. So the first great horror classic really is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Um, have you guys read or watched Frankenstein as a movie? Um, I think I have read, I have not completely read the book. I yeah. think we had that book in the library and I've read a little bit of it, but I've watched some animated series about um, uh, Frankenstein, but I'm not sure how much it actually relates to the true I story. I because- watched one of the silent uh, Filmera movie of Frankenstein and uh, nice. 
a lot of animated stuff yeah 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 and it's you know it's very uh, culturally influential so it comes into play a lot but there you can see how this duality of the god versus demon is changing and it beca- it becomes more about the evil that human beings can perpetrate when they inherit science as a power and, you know this this doctor chooses to use the powers to reanimate a corpse so that's the true horror there and what goes on from there is the growth of atmospheric horror. So post that writers like Mary Shelley, uh, sorry, um, um, writers like Emily Bront and Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, they start to use horror to discuss the atmosphere of those things. So um, Arthur Conan Doyle's written some works, Robert Louis Stevenson, if you want to look at the early history of it. Uh, but really the two, I, I, I think, Try and engage with Frankenstein. It's, it's incredible. But the two stories that I'd recommend are Henry James's Turn of the Screw and then going on uh, from there, everyone's favorite, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's where we see really see it peaking. It moves away from the duality to these complex relationships with that, that people have with each other. Right, right. That's, that's right. I mean, Dracula is something that um, I don't remember when was the first time I heard about Dracula but because... Uh, it's it's something that you kind of grew up with, right? right? Knowing that yes. Dracula is one of the most uh, evil characters in, in in literature and all that. I've had um, opportunity to read the book uh, yeah. and it really scared me out. I think that yeah. was the first time I actually read something and got scared. Yeah. I, uh, usually you watch movies, you see things, you get scared. But the book really frightened me out when I was little young. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about how, um, and I'd like to hear from both of you about your reading experience with horror. Like, what have you read? How has it affected you? And then I'll go and talk on talk about how it's affected me. All right, I I, I think I'll start first. Um, so I was this kind of a guy who used to read a lot when I was a kid. Um, not so much right now, but uh, I used to go into my school library and find out those kind of books which no other kids usually read. Um, others preferred all these uh, little books like uh, which has these cartoon characters Hardy and Boys. stuff like yeah, <laughs> Hardy Boys, Nancy <laughs> too, and all that. But I preferred more like um, thrillers and you know uh, horror stuff and all that. And yeah. I, most of the books which I've read. They're not by famous authors also, I think. There are some of these uh, small gems, some of Indian authors also. So I one of the books which, um, as I mentioned, um, uh, which I read during that time was Dracula because I've heard a lot about it and different versions of the story as well, right? There yeah. are a lot of custom versions of Dracula as well. And I have not watched any movies. Uh, I had not watched any movie at that point. Uh, yeah. So I got this book. Um, I usually sit, um, you know, sit and watch the moment I reach home taking breaks only for uh, eating and other stuff. I, I, I'm I kind of a person who likes to finish the book as soon as possible. I don't yeah. keep it for late, that kind of thing, right? Um, the reading experience was, it, it was like incredible. So the, the good, the thing that, thing with reading is, uh, which I, which I usually prefer is, uh, as you're reading through the pages, right? And as you see the characters and um, their descriptions, you have this mental image that you create about the surroundings and the location and the kind of people they are and the way they look, right? And yeah. since it's your creation, you can create them as, as you as you want. This is the reason I feel many times when, um, uh, you know, books are made into movies and series and stuff, People tend to get disappointed, right? With the mm-hmm. casting choices and stuff like that. Because and that has happened with me as well. Uh, I have not been happy about some of the casting choices because you have these, you know, images created in your mind, 
And when you see something else filling that space, you're like, this is not how I imagined how it was. <laughs> so I used to read this book, uh, you know, the moment I reach home. And as the day, um, you know, moved into nighttime, it started getting creepier and creepier, right? Mm. Because uh, then you start imagining you want to go to the rest uh, the the bathroom you think that okay i just read this portion where this uh, particular thing is coming from the shed behind the shadows if i go to the bathroom right now what if something like that is waiting for me there so you start yeah. creating these mental images of these kind of things but there was a thrill in that as well right uh, mm. sleeping at night might not be uh, that's you won't get good sleep but i used to love that adrenaline flow that flow that came with you know reading these kind of horror books and stuff like that so that's my reading experiences uh, experience i never enjoyed watching as much as i used to enjoy reading and and which okay. yours what was your experience like uh, that was vishnu yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry I'm sorry i got mixed both of you mixed up again sorry uh, Yankar, what, I mean, was your, what was your experience yeah so uh, similarly i started with uh, dracula and uh, the first time i read that was in uh, you know the malayalam version of it in balarama i'm not sure if you have heard about balarama yeah, yeah i used to read balarama too but uh, there was dracula in balarama yes yes i think this was during uh, early to mid 2000s <laughs> that's awesome yeah so that's how i started reading you know uh, and i think that's the first no- novel i've written uh, i've read and then from there on i think uh, i jumped to uh, sherlock holmes the uh, hound of baskerville uh, that kind of scared oh yeah, yeah hound of baskerville is another one i i think i'll, I'll yeah. come to that later yeah on. and uh, so that's how i started out but then uh, i lost interest kind of lost interest and then i got back into like not horror it was more of like a gore kind of stuff where i started reading a lot about serial killers and all mm. that i was like very much fa- i'm still very fas- fascinated with that and uh, that's how uh, i enjoyed you know the process of you know a little bit of horror and all that hmm. uh, and uh, one more thing yeah uh, probably like 3 years back i started listening to these creepy pasta kind of stuff hmm. and uh, there is this channel called cops husband hmm. i'm not sure if you've heard yeah, about it's it. a youtube channel right yeah, yeah. So, uh, he used to put out some great stuff about you know horror kind of all these kind of stories and that what i used to do was like before going to bed instead of listening to some asmr kind of stuff <laughs> i used to listen to them <laughs> i can't believe you are an, i didn't take you for an a, asmr fan i can't yeah, believe it know, i think uh, coming out of closet right now we both like it <laughs> yeah this uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's happened guys look if nothing comes out of this podcast you are absolutely bored by the sound of my voice at least i've managed to you know <laughs> get these two guys to confess that they are ASMR fans <laughs> i think you would make a brilliant ASMR artist i know you could do that you can actually say that my poetry readings actually are a bit ASMRish so um that you know people do listen to that you know as as a, as an ASMR alternative so yes there's some merit to what you're saying right uh, how about starting another channel just <laughs> adding another channel i mean i wouldn't know what sounds to make right. like so so you see, can you i know we are now going off topic but Uh, what what counts that's the style of this podcast right i'll tell you what kind of sounds you can make the sound of uh, demons nails scratching against the door right. or something like that. <laughs> and put people to sleep really right and the demon coming and whispering in the ears <laughs> yeah so uh Yeah, I'm an ASMR guy because I have a lot of trouble sleeping. So it kind of helps you. You'll have t- trouble getting girls from tomorrow, dude. You're done. This is, I yeah. don't care. You know, 
I just want to get good sleep. That's Jesus, right. even towards yeah. the sleep. No, I, I look. I think. I think you know. Girls would appreciate. Girls would appreciate the fact that you are a man who looks after your health, and uh, you know that you, then catches up on your eight hours of sleep. Eight hours of sleep by listening to something. Um, but that's just profound. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started listening to uh, creepy pasta kind of stuff. Yeah. Rather than. And uh, there are like a lot of th- true stories and uh, stuff that uh, which are like fiction. And mm. that really fascinated me, especially stories where, you know, people just go for a walk in the woods at night and they yeah. have someone following them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one especially was like a girl, uh, She uh, she's staying at her grandparents' place and yeah. uh, she every day she used to go for a two-mile walk or something and take like half an hour. And yeah. she smokes smokes up and walks okay and she felt like someone's following her and the whole story is about how she got back and it took uh, a walk which usually takes her like half an hour took her seven hours to you know uh, Jeez, yeah yeah so that kind of really fascinated me so that's my that's the kind of horror which i like yeah and look um it's very interesting from both both of your reading experiences mine's very similar in that i was exposed to some of those classics you're talking about as a kid as well especially in abridged forms like hand of baskerville or um dracula uh but i think my earliest sort of uh i'll talk about movies separately because that's been a big influence but we are now sticking to literature and um even as a kid, movies were such a big impact on me. But talking about literature, I think the the, the start of it was um, uh, this distant relative of mine, Molly Chechi, whenever I used to go on holidays to my grandfather's. Um, and she uh, used to read uh, the, those those weekly magazines that were such a hit in Kerala. So like the Manala Manorama uh, magazine that Mangalam, yes, all those magazines. And if you remember them, they always have two-page stories. That's it. Uh, they are serialized, but they are just two pages. So in a way, Indian Noir is an attempt to replicate those things. They are short. They're very punchy. They are tremendous. And Moritz used to tell me these stories. Um, some of them involved, you know, black magic and because... Kerala has such a rich mythology of black magic. You know, it's always terrifying about what these black magicians could conjure with their magic. And, um, but going from this, so I always loved those stories. Uh, I loved all the Indian mythology that my grandfather used to tell me that had some horror tinge to it. Uh, but also going forward, uh, what happened to me in terms of reading was, uh, like you guys getting exposed to average versions of some of those classical hits by Edgar Allan Poe and Bram Stoker, obviously. Um, but then when I finished, when I, when my, when I was post high school and I had gone through my Hardy Boys phase, um, and I was, I got this, um, membership to the Elur library in Trivandrum. And that was such a, you know, landmark moment in my life, uh, in that people there did not really restrict children from taking books <laughs> that were inappropriate for them home. So I've read all these salacious novels full of sex and violence and also got exposed to horror quite early on. And my favorite then and still continues to be Stephen King, who I think is the best horror writer, especially in short form stories and novellas. I've read a lot of British writers like Ramsey Campbell, Clive Barker, Mm -hmm. and James Herbert, and they've written some amazing books. So if you're taking note of these names, go and read their works. It's very classical. It's very traditional horror. Um, it it packs a punch. Um, and so really, uh, 
you know, just devoured those books and loved to live in the world. I don't remember being particularly scared by them. I just felt this inherent thrill at reading um, these stories and all these magical sort of horrifying constructs that they're conjured up. Um, I won't talk much about modern horror because I don't really read a lot, but after I went through all those writers that I mentioned, which I continue to read like Stephen King, I still read him now. Um, what I did was I went and I um, read some of the uh, classical writers and these writers are not, not well known, but please take note of them because if you're looking for atmospheric horrors, like the, hmm. like the one that Shankar just mentioned with regards to um, the creepypasta experience he had, um, there's Ambrose Beers, Arthur Mackin, Algernon Blackwood, and of course, H.P. Lovecraft. And what they did was they took the focus away from the monster, but the but focused more on the creepiness of it. So like you, what you were saying before, the seven-hour walk, how creepy is that? It should take one hour, but it took seven hours. That was... <laughs> I've, I've gone back and made Vishnu listen to it. It was like that impactful, you know. Yeah, that's nice. I think that is the same thing that uh, that actually made the sound of Baskerville is very interesting to me. If you look at it, there is no demon, there is no a gore or any kind of stuff in that. The yeah. only thing that uh, creeps you out is the absence of uh, the source, which we are trying to find out what is the source of this and what is the source right. of all these noises and stuff like that. So uh, I think um, Conan Doyle really creates a atmosphere, right? I mean, talking yeah. about the moon and... Uh, the way the moon shines over the moor and all this howling wind noises and the Baskerville Hall, it paints a picture in your mind. Like you literally feel that you are, uh, you know, you are sitting with Watson there and looking out uh, of the window, expecting something yeah. to come out. So yeah. that I started preferring those kind of horror uh, stories, uh, those kind of uh, horror movies as well. Um, you know, rather than the stuff which shows more gore and you know, absolutely. Like that. If you, if, you, if you love that, then you will love some of the authors that I've mentioned. Because I'm mm -hmm. trying to think, Arthur Macken in particular, um, you know, there are these creepy stories about uh, people going and visiting someone who's their relative. And every time and go, they go and visit this person, that person changes slightly. The house changes its shape slightly. Uh, oh. the, you know, the objects within it change their uh, their nature of of the of their existence changes slightly and this sort of existential dread starts creeping into you because you don't understand what's going on and not understanding what's going on i think creeps people out the most when you can examine something when you can look behind the curtain and find what it is then you know everything's revealed or if, even if there is a potential but the great thing about some of these stories that we're talking about you never find out what's going on exactly i think when we start talking about movies, one of the movies which which is in the similar lines, what was that movie? Seventeen oh eight. What is it? Oh yes, eighteen oh seven. Fourteen oh eight. John Cusack. Yeah, yeah. Fourteen. Stephen King story. Yeah, It's a Stephen King story, is it? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. So, so that story is in the same thing, right? I mean, there are there is no uh, apparent ghost or there is no gore or something, yeah. but the the horror in that is the person gets stuck there and there is no way that he's able to come out of that uh, that yeah. that room that that yeah. is a kind of horror right yeah. and uh, after watching that movie personally i've thought that um you know at times you get these thoughts right i'm like what if i get stuck in such such a mm -hmm. thing where I, you know being killed and i am being reborn again uh, endlessly like infinite yeah. number of times 
without being able to escape from that. It's it's like That's kind right. of a maddening situation, right? I mean, we have nightmares like that. Uh, but going mm-hmm. beyond that, we also create personal hells in our personality through that. We have these thought loops that sometimes we cannot escape. So, you know, stories like that are just a manifestation of those things. Um, that's a great thing about horror. It's a great way to discuss um, how we exist in the modern world. Um, the, the, the real things that are going to harm us. So let's admit it. Like, you know, you, you, you and you and I, we are not going to get killed by a werewolf or a vampire. If we step out of the house, it'll most likely be a truck from coming from interstate, but the guy's been drunk and he's run over us and he maims us and we are trapped in this bed forever and ever and ever. And nobody loves us anymore. And we can't have sex and nobody, uh, you know, and we have to shit in a, in a, in a diaper for the rest of our life. Exactly. And to live that life across 50, 60 years till we die, that is true horror. Um, okay. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and, and that also takes me to this, uh, some of these very, very short stories also, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, have, I, I don't clearly remember how the story goes, but it, it, it is something along the lines of, let's say, um, suddenly you open your eyes and you find yourself buried in a coffin and you can yeah. hear the sound of, you know, people throwing mud, mud or dirt or whatever it is to cover yeah. your coffin. Um, you are awake, but you're not able to do anything because you're dead. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of, it's, it's such a scary thought. What if yeah. you, when you're dead, you're conscious about everything that is happening around you, yeah. but you cannot do anything about it. And you have, you are uh, meant to spend eternity buried in a coffin or, you yeah. know, put into the fire or something like that. That is, that kind of stories are also something that I really like to read. Are you aware of the concept of night terrors? Um, no. If you're not, then let, let me give you a bit of, bit, bit of a background on it. So some people have this condition, uh, I don't know if you would call it a condition, but it could be temporary. It could last for a long time, wherein they are unable to sleep. They wake up, they are frozen and they see the shadowy yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone's experienced it at some level, but for some people it's like an illness. It's, it's every night they see this. It's terrifying. And they have to go on this long treatment protocol to cure them. So I had... It's also called sleep paralysis or yes, something like that. Yes, correct. That's exactly right. It is sleep paralysis. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the um, segments that I included in the first season of Fear FM actually came from my personal experience of that. Uh, because years ago, I was living in Queensland, uh, in, in Northern Australia, I was going to uni there, university there, and, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of um, um, uni students, I used to, you know, be a night owl. And one night I decided I was going to look into the Black Dahlia murder case. It's the infamous murder case in Los Angeles. I, a lot of people, a lot of you might know this. They've made movies about this. Um, uh, there's a recent TV show. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember the name now. It'll come to me a bit later, but it's a famous case. And what happened was this young woman who was coming to LA to be an actress, she was, she got into a car and then they found, they found her the next day, uh, you know, all her body parts were chopped up and separated. And she had what they call a Glasgow grin, which is being cut from one end of the cheek to the other, like a smile. The Joker, and, the Joker smile, exactly. And, you know, that's how her body was found. And there's been lots of theories about who did it. Um, and, you know, it's a horrifying case. Anyway, I decided to look into that. And then I read extensively about it, read the postmortem reports, looked at the photos of the crime scene, looked at the photos of the body, and then I decided to go to sleep. 
an hour and a half into that, I woke up, I had sleep paralysis, and I had the image of this woman chopped up, only that she's joined in the bits that she was chopped up as if she was sutured together. She had the big Glasgow grin, and she climbed up the bed right on top of me and put her face right next to me. So how real was it? Did you? So I see, I have not had this experience. The reason I'm asking is, I've read about a lot of sleep paralysis experiences yeah. that people have put in Reddit and all the other places, right? Yeah. There was, uh, because I've also heard some people say that you can actually get into sleep paralysis state if you want voluntarily. Yeah. Uh, what basically happens is your brain is awake and the brain is sent a signal to your body to be asleep or something like that. Yeah. So that is the reason you're not able to move them. Uh, the, the, your limbs don't get the signal or something. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to know is how real did you think that that experience was look it's so real that now that i'm talking to you about this my body's gone rigid at the memory of it so it was just like enduring a real trauma it was incredibly real it was it lasted for hours i kid you not i would have experienced that for at least two hours straight i could not move i kept looking around the room trying to avoid this sight in front of my eyes the creature would move from top of my body to the corner of the room and then back again. And even when I'd managed to completely wipe out the visual, it was there in the room. And that was worse. The fact that I couldn't so, see it was worse. Right. So so when you say it climbed on your body, you can actually, actually feel the sensations, right? You feel heavy on your chest and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, you see the thing crawling, the bed sheet compressing around you, the sheets pull, being pulled across your body, it's 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 fingers pushing into your muscle and your flesh. It coming directly on top of you. It's breath on you. You feel all of that. So it's uh, at that stage it becomes really difficult to um, you know kind of kind of differentiate with whether it's really happening or is it something that you're just dreaming or something, right? Correct. Yeah, it it is like that because you kind of your logic kind of intercedes and says, ah, this can't be real, but. Everything that you're seeing in front of your eyes and you're experiencing says otherwise. Um, not to mention that you've gone completely paralyzed and, you know, you feel paralysis. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like you have the ability to move and you sense that the inability to move is also a sensation. And that just weighs you down so much that it is so real. Um, it's, it's terrifying. I, I really don't know how people live with that day in and day out. And there's some amazing documentaries on YouTube about it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's where I think I got introduced to this uh, this concept, uh, this this thing as well. Uh, and I'm sure that it's not just those two hours. Even after waking up next day morning, you would have thought about it a lot. Oh, totally. To this to this day, I think about it. I mean, I'm talking to you about this right now. So you know, that's how much of an impact it's had, and it's you know obviously filtered into what I write as well. So I've always wanted to put that sequence in. So very early on in the first season of Fear FM, I thought that's the best way to introduce the monster in it. Um, and uh, in that, I did not uh, fully reveal the monster. I chose to go with the dark, shadowy shapes that people with night terror generally tend to experience. It's not often as graphic as the one that I saw. Um, and because I knew more people would have seen, experienced that version of a night terror versus the uh, version that I saw. And, you know, I think, I think like that, that episode, there was lots of reactions to it. That was very interesting. I, I, I just, you just don't realize how prevalent this thing is. Uh, and it tends to disappear. Some people have it when they are like in their, 
um, when they're in their high school years, some people in their university years. I had it. I had this one experience when I was, you know, in my early twenties and then never had it. Um, but I remember having them when I was in my high school years for a, for an year or so. Um, but it's different for different people. So, uh, have you ever had the fear to go to sleep after this? Uh, no, you know, no. Thinking that- no, I struggle with sleeping, not because, not because of, uh, you know, the night terror experience or my general fear of uh, ghosts. I just struggle with sleeping because uh, it's usually two minutes before I'm about to close my eyes that I'll have an amazing idea. Oh, you know, uh, I need to do- yeah, that's that's when I usually get my plot ideas or what do I do, do at work tomorrow or, you know, what do I do for next weekend? Um, see, that's what I mean. That is the true horror. Uh, it's not these terrifying things. It's our existential behaviors. Right. I, I think uh, before we move on to the movies, the horror and movies and stuff, now that yeah. we're discussing a little bit personal about your stuff, right? Why don't we touch about a little bit about how do you get these ideas and how you come up with these concepts and characters and uh, and especially the thing that I'm really interested to know is yeah. how do you come up with this, uh, you know, innovative ways of killing off your characters? Yeah, sure. Especially with our episode, right? <laughs> I mean, you you did a tremendous job in killing us, and I think this is the right time to play that episode as well. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll explain how I came to the idea of your particular episode, and then it'll be a nice way to segue into that segment. I totally agree. Uh, but talking sure. more about um, so most of the writing that I've been doing over the last fifteen years, I started writing poetry. I wrote literary fiction, which had nothing to do with genre elements like crime or horror. Uh, It was usually about social issues uh, facing uh, people who live in the fringe in India um, and, you know, people, prostitutes, uh, people who are homeless, drug addicts, uh, people who are from um, lower castes who are persecuted, uh, religious violence in India. Those are the things that I wrote about for years and won awards for or published books in. Um, and it's once that didn't, wasn't very satisfying that I moved to writing genre fiction. And that's how I wrote His Night Begins, which was a crime novel, which is now being adapted and uh, is now in the podcast as a story, as an audio story. Um, but horror is something I've always attempted quite regularly. Um, and the structure of horror writing is not too dissimilar to the structure of writing any fiction or any novel. Um, but in terms of what I'm doing now, I follow more of a movie structure, a screenplay structure in the podcast versus a story structure. And the way it works is that uh, at, it's two layers, I suppose, when you talk about horror and how the ideas come about. It's the layer of the story where you have a character who's living a normal existence, who's, you know, is set in their ways. They, something happens to them that pushes them out of that comfort zone. They have to go on a journey and transform or perish or transform and ascend as a better human being. And that's the end of that story. So it's got that story level of it. Uh, and then you layer the horror of it, which is talking about is finding the discomfort. So uh, let's take the first season of Fear FM, for example. So you have a man, Prakash, who's lost his job in the US. He's come home and he is yearning to go back 
to do that work so he can avoid looking after his sick mother uh, because he's got a, you know, a fraught relationship with her. They've got bad blood in their history. Um, but it's the recession. He's trapped in this home. He's, um, you know, he's depressed. Uh, he doesn't want to engage with society. And then something terrible comes into their lives. And he's forced into confronting who he is. And the way horror works is throwing that element at that person. And that takes the form of a monster, but the monster is really their own flaws. In Prakash's case, it's his inherent ability to go back and look at the past and say, was this truly that happened between me and my family? Um, you know, how am I treating my mother now? And I'm talking about all these responsibilities and the money that my foreign IT company can give me. But what about my responsibility as a son? What about my wider responsibility to my culture? That takes the form of this monster called the Darkin, who then terrorizes these people. And him and his mother and the supernatural investigator named Ektaji have to go on this journey to find a solution to to reduce to to bring down this demon and and triumph in the end and they have this character growth so it's really those two layers and i hope i've that explained that properly yeah uh, see uh like it's very interesting when you told us about this like you take like normal conflicts like which people have in their daily lives and mm. you add that layer of horror <clears throat> to it that's how it works basically yes. right yeah wow and at the, at the end of it, the personal troubles have to be more horrifying than the monster because the monster and the personal thing have merged together. Let me give you a classic example. Have you both seen The Shining? Uh, I have watched like half of it, not the whole. Half of it. You must watch the entire thing. Shining is incredible. So in The Shining, uh, if people have watched it, that you know, I'm not going to give away too many, too many spoilers. Um <clears throat> It's a, a writer who, who's taking his family to a hotel, which is haunted and terrible events happen there. That, that movie, that story, even in the novel is really sure. There is a supernatural hotel. There are ghosts, but that's really about Stephen King's worry about what he might have done to his children when he had an alcoholic alcohol problem. So. He was worried that when he was an alcoholic, he was going to hit his children and damage them in some way. And it's really tapping into that fear. Uh, and that is the real horror in that, not the ghosts, not the hotels. But then the two merge together in such a way that elementally you understand. Human beings understand this This is at a deeper level, um, the, 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 what the, the, the manifestation of the ghost actually means. A recent hit, Babadook, uh, which an, an incredible um, movie, if you get a chance to watch. It's a woman and her son. Who, she's a single mother going through depression, living in a house. They open this box. This demon comes out. Um, really, that story is about the struggle of single mothers without support, having to go through child rearing, which is a terrible, which is a difficult process, not a terrible process. It's a difficult process. And having no support, especially in an insular society that we live in, and the terror or having to de- lead with depression um, tied in with those personal responsibilities and how those two people triumph, uh, you know, in, in that scenario. Right. I think uh, Exorcist also falls along those lines, right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's almost a similar line where a single mother is taking care of her daughter. Yeah. 
who is becoming a teenager and you know there are some issues with uh, you know she faces when she starts seeing other men and you know the daughter doesn't approve of it yeah. and uh, yeah that's that's the premise which which the author has set up there I, i'm really glad you brought that up um you know because if you get a chance i mean do watch the exorcist but do read the novel uh, oh, we have we have a exorcist oh. about how we was exorcist that was one of the most uh, terrifying experiences of our life and probably that is the reason that we stopped watching horror <laughs> movies <laughs> altogether as well so yeah. if i may i take 5 uh, minutes and explain what happened so i think this was um, early 2000s 2000 yeah. yeah sometime i circus 2002 or something i think uh, we were both in school at that time and i had this very close friend of mine um who stayed around let's say 10 kilometers from our house this is back in kerala okay yeah um and um he was a movie buff um whenever he comes we watch a lot of movies and stuff mostly a bollywood stuff it was the time of dvds you know exactly. you get good quality uh, videos yeah. exactly <laughs> so he was a big shahrukh khan fan and we ended up watching a lot of shahrukh so what happened is um, our uh, exams were over we were both sitting you know uh, there is nothing much to do in those days no phones computers and stuff like that right uh, so we were getting bored um and we spoke with this friend of mine and he said why don't you guys come over to my place and stay for a couple of days and we'll watch a lot of movies um we uh, went over we watched a lot of movies and stuff and i have heard about exorcist being the most um, you know um, the greatest horror movie from my cousins and my friends Mm-hmm. um so we went to the dvd shop i suggested that hey um i've heard this movie is like crazy uh, you know a horrifying movie why don't we watch it since we have three of us uh, together right if it was <laughs> if, if it yeah. was uh, i would never because i don't even want to know what it what is there in it yeah so what we did we bought the dvd um came home had a nice dinner uh, his family went to sleep and we decided that we'll start watching the movie only at 12 o'clock yeah right great add atmosphere and all that we switched off all the light we op- we were in the first floor so uh, we opened the uh, window there was a tree outside which cast a, s- a shadow inside uh, in the kitchen and all so it was completely spooky and we wanted it to be as spooky as possible just to add to the you know um, to the atmosphere thing. yeah right so we created that atmosphere everything was silent then we started watching the movie um and you know you have watched the movie and you know what would have happened so there were some scenes which were like so crazy and i vividly remember the moment the movie got over three of us were just petrified in our seats we were not able to move at all yeah we were looking at each other we were like what next and and i wanted to pee so badly actually man. we three wanted to pee yeah and <laughs> the bathroom is a flight of stairs down and you have to go down and uh, you know it's like a spooky there is no light that was one of the most uh scared i've ever felt yeah, watching something uh, we 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 were in the living room right we we were watching it in the living room and the kitchen was right next to it and yeah. there was this you know polythene covers right mm. so yeah. because of the fan from the living room the polythene covers started you know making this noise like you yeah. know that that and you remember the scene where uh, her head turns around and there's this weird yeah. sound I think I heard uh, they got Oscar for that sound effect where they put uh, credit cards in a leather wallet and twisted it which made that right. sound of bones or something like that right so wow. some kind of weird sound and when you when you're scared you start hearing a lot more than what actually there yeah. what actually there right and this is going back to something we were talking about before about you know um you know when you watch that that's that movie and this would have been the same effect of telling stories around a campfire for early human beings it raises your levels of alertness 
So you become super alert to things that you need to be wary of. Um, so that's something that's manifesting in what you're saying. But sorry to interrupt you, but please carry on. Yeah, I think uh, that's it. Then we yeah, yeah, decided... So- we basically three of us went together to the washroom and you know we took turns the other two would stand outside the door yeah <laughs> and that's how we peed that that's how scared to overcome that i think we watched et, ET or something yeah. afterwards god i mean that's <laughs> creepy that's a creepy movie in itself that creature is so creepy so yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that was a good choice uh but yeah. that, that's that's incredible i mean the thing is if you get a chance please read the, read the novel because the novel has this added layer which makes it even more terrifying which i think it stayed with me for so long um that it's it's crept into some of my work as well because the it's and it's not included in the movie obviously because it would increase the runtime the priest who goes to perform the exorcism the younger priest his mother is in a old age home and he has all this guilt about her being in the old age home hmm. and that it's it's an amazing book because that amplifies the terror as he's dealing with this girl and he's reading with his personal guilt, which is his true existential horror, uh, his inability to sacrifice himself for his mother. That uh, really amplifies the terror. Um, Exorcist, such a great movie, such a great book. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not surprised that you had that experience. And so um, I have watched <coughs> horror for that, uh, you know, but always with, you know, during the daytime or with my cousins and brother, brother yeah. and, uh, or something. But this was the first one where I knew that it was horror and we created a scenario where, you know, uh, an atmosphere of more creepiness and it delivered uh, the punch. That's what yeah. I would say. And, right. and it, it, it gave me what I expected, but maybe a little more than I was prepared for. Talking about delivering punch, um, I was going to talk about this a bit later. Uh, actually, uh, we will talk about this a bit, bit later when we talk about horror in, in, in India. <clears throat> that delivering the punch aspect is crucial to a lot of stories. And I've got some ex- ex- examples from stories in India where that happens. But I think now is a good point to answer your question from before, um, Shankar, about how I came about upon the scenario with the two of you. I mean, obviously, um, from engaging with your podcast and also your website, I had some hints about your personalities and how you were. Uh, but I think we had a conversation at one stage. I think it was with, um, with you, Shankar, where there was some throwaway line about the traffic in, in, in your city. And I thought to my, and you were complaining about it. And I thought to myself, What's the best thing that could happen to these guys? And in the journey of the best thing happening to these guys, what's the worst thing that could happen to these guys? And that was exactly the the structure of it. You are freed from the traffic, the congested confines of your city. Both of you are traveling on this bike, having a jolly good time. One of you has to pee. And, you know, you get off at this forest that's this freedom and and clean air, and open, and you get butchered. So, <laughs> that was essentially... So it's there. like you, you push the characters to the peak on one side, uh, make them feel all, you know, um, uh, you yeah. f- uh, make them feel euphoria, and all of a sudden something happens so bad that... They <laughs> that yeah. It's like, you know, the price you pay for freedom. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, this is this is true with... A, we, will, we will talk about this when we talk about movies. Um, every era has its boogeyman or boogie situation uh, but what you just explained is the distillation of that yeah so when you get excess of something then 
you know, you tell people, ah, but you need to fear that. Um, you see that a lot. And when we talk about um, how, for example, the fear of technology has been portrayed in movies, we will explore that a bit more. But I think now is a good time for people to listen to that episode where both of you get squished. <laughs> right. So uh, we'll play the clip of uh, that episode where uh, we bo- both of us are the characters in the in the amazing story. Um, so we will lead you into the story right now. You can listen to it and come back to this discussion um, probably a lot more scared than what you actually are right now. Brilliant. Shankar and Vishnu were on their way to an audio production conference. They were from the neighboring city, and the only way to get to their destination was the road that cut through Maragaranya Forest. As usual, Vishnu could barely keep his attention on the road thanks to Shankar's constant stream of interesting factoids, stories of recent dramatic conquests, and just plain rubbish. Occasionally, he broke into a song from a latest blockbuster. The integrity of the piece compromised by the windshield on his half-face helmet and his attempts at improvising. Did you know that cats don't taste sweet, but dogs taste salty? Shankar said. What? I don't even want to know how you gained this knowledge. Vishnu responded. Yep, it's true. Vishnu chuckled. Protestations aside, he wouldn't know what to do without his crazy brother, who had rambled all his life and kept them entertained through many a motorcycle journey. They were thinking of starting a podcast called The Motorcycle Diaries to capture the precious and hilarious rants they engaged in. The name wasn't original, but hey, you got to start somewhere. Vishnu braked and pulled over the bike. What the hell is wrong with you, man? Late afternoon haunted forest, Shankar said. I got to pee, man, and I'm sure the haunted forest wouldn't mind some uric acid to fertilize its soil, Vishnu said. You, yuck, that's a tad too descriptive for my taste, Shankar said. Do me a favor, please. Don't use taste and urine in the same sentence. Please. Vishnu said as he hopped off the bike. He walked into the woods where he could still see the bike and his brother and the road. But people passing by couldn't see him believing himself. Unlike his brother, he had a sense of shame. I mean, seriously though, what do you think about the crazy stories they tell about this forest? Shankar asked. I don't believe in supernatural rubbish, Vishnu said. I have told you so many crazy, unbelievable but true factoids over the years. Ghosts could be true, too. Maybe you are pissing on one right now, Shankar said. Shut the fuck up. I can't pee properly if you keep talking, Vishnu said. I mean, technically, you are more likely to get bitten by a snake than see a ghost around here. Did you know 46,000 people die from snake bites every year in India, Shankar said. Stop that shit! You are freaking me out, Vishnu said. 
looking around to check if there was a poisonous serpent headed his way. The forest was suddenly unnaturally quiet. Even Shankar, who never stopped blabbering, had gone silent. Fishman zipped his pants and turned round, half expecting his brother to be standing behind him with a vine or a stick, pretending it was a snake he had wrestled into submission. Instead, his brother was nowhere to be seen. In fact, he couldn't see the road or the bike. It was as if he was suddenly transported to another part of the forest with an unending row of trees. Shankar? Shankar! he called out. He walked towards the trees where his bike should have been. There was nothing there. He caught a movement to his left. His brother was standing still, facing away from him. Shankar! he called out. No response. Vishnu walked towards his brother slowly. He felt the forest pulsing with evil intent. When he reached him, Vishnu touched Shankar on the shoulder. No movement. Suddenly, Shankar broke his arms up to his face, and Vishnu heard the most disgusting of sounds. What the? he said as he forcefully grabbed Shankar's shoulders and turned him around. Shankar was clawing at his face. In fact, he had ripped off half of his left cheek exposing the ragged flesh left behind, the gums, the teeth, and the tongue covered in gore. No! No! Vishnu screamed. Stop it! Shankar, who was now clawing at the other side of his face, halted his actions abruptly. He was staring at something past Vishnu, something behind him. The beginnings of a sick smile made the hole in his left cheek bigger. Shankar started clapping. Vishnu turned around slowly with dread. A mob of shadowy figures had emerged from the forest. The absence of light defined the beings whose forms were like pitch-black tears in the fabric of reality. They approached him, whispering at an inhuman pace. Before Vishnu could will his legs to run, they wrestled him down to the forest floor. He squirmed and cried on the wet leaves, crushing them underneath him. The creatures held him down. Glory! Glory to the Master of Shadows!
the soundtrack of his madness, merging with the sounds of the forest. The shadows gathered stones and wood from the forest. They stood over him now, holding up the primitive weapons, ready to attack. Vishnu sensed their demonic desires like a crushing weight on his chest. His body was paralyzed. Their own group made it impossible to escape. The first stab from the sharp end of a stick punctured his right eyeball. Before he could process the pain from it, a rock crushed his skull in. Then something punctured his lungs. His kneecaps shattered next. With each strike, they reduced his body to a form that would make identification a difficult process. All the while, Shankar danced and clapped and tore away at his own flesh, till he too was a primordial heap of gore. All right, so we hope that you enjoyed the clip and, uh, you know, uh, do let us know what you felt about it and we'll get back to the discussion that we were earlier. So, Nikesh, uh, let's move on. Yeah, but just just before we go for further, the first time you heard that episode, what were your feelings? And I'm asking about the immediate reaction. You were listening to it and you'd finished. Like, what did you feel? Okay, uh, my experience, I was really impressed by the way you had uh, evaluated our characters first of all not going to the <laughs> horror part right now um you know because uh i think that would be in, in a parallel universe that would be a conversation that we would have probably had right um the personalities are strikingly similar to what we actually are yeah right uh you know uh shankar being a little more playful and uh, all that and me being not a, that playful but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, my, myself being a little grumpy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not always, but you know, sometimes no, no, it, always. <laughs> we do uh, get into that kind of conversations as well. So I was really impressed by that. And I was yeah. really curious to see what, how wrong can, the, you know, this day go. Um, yeah. And especially when the horror element started, right? Um, you really painted a picture because I, I usually listen to these kind of stories with my eyes closed so that I can imagine whatever you're just saying, right? So yeah. I have that picture painted clear in my mind. Yeah. Uh, every single detail, uh, the way you say, you know, uh, the bike, the helmet, um, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the story that happens before, uh, when they say while going in the bus, they see the two helmets and stuff like that, right? Yeah. That itself, uh, uh, gave me a little bit of uh, expectation as to what, <laughs> what would have gone, gone wrong. Yeah. Uh, then you mentioned, um, about going into the forest and parking there, that, that spookiness that starts growing into you, right? And yeah. especially, I rem- when you mentioned about, um, uh, you know, Shankar facing towards opposite side and Vishnu trying to understand what's happening, he being very silent and then you look at him and, uh, you know, him clawing at his face. I remembered a scene from a movie. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Grudge, Mira. Uh, I think it was Grudge in which there's this Japanese girl who's yeah. uh, walking down the stairs and a lot of blood is coming out. A guy calls out his name and she turns around. She doesn't have the jaw. Yeah, her tongue hanging down and stuff like that. And that scene was something that scared me for a long time. Not just the scare. I was like, 
I kept on thinking about it for a long time after I watched the movie. Right. Yeah. And it was absolutely in the same uh, in the same ballpark where I uh, I was I kept thinking about that scene so much uh, and especially the other part where you know um, I was getting killed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know completely torn apart and all that. Uh, yeah. And the interesting part is when you're watching a movie it's a different character and here you have already put yourself in that position where you are living through the story right and yeah. it really fascinated me to think about what if something like that really happens how would i react or what would i do would yeah. i just look at uh, my brother and see him get t- killing himself and would i take the bike and run away or would i stay back to you know kind of save him so that, those kind of questions start, started coming wow. into my mind yeah. Wow, this is getting deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I, so, so I started questioning myself in uh, you know in such a situation would I value my life uh, or would I stay back to try and revive my brother from uh, you know yeah. whatever he's going. Through? Wow. And you know what I mean we can laugh yeah we can laugh about this but people react in extremely different ways in the face of trauma like when you go into shock hmm. you know, a lot of people yeah. have no control over how they behave. That's right. I mean who is to uh, I, I was just trying to See, um, it's difficult for us to imagine what we would do because we don't know. We are not in this uh, situation right. yet. But yeah. it made me think a lot about um, what what relationships are, are and what is the motivation for you to give up your life for someone yeah. else. Right? Wow. Would you value your life uh, less than someone else's life, be it your brother, be it your uh, you know significant other, you be it your mother or whatever. So it went into all those deep kind of thoughts uh, for me. Nice. That is my you know, I have succeeded as a writer. And what, what about you, Shankar? That's that's like so deep. My the I I've listened to it like a few times, but uh, the first time I listened to it, it was my reaction was plain and simple. I was, to be honest, I was really happy to die that way. <laughs> I was laughing my heart out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was like my reaction was even I was surprised. You know, I'm getting killed, but I'm so happy. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Like Vishnu said, okay, it was like the polar opposite of what he said. So yeah. I think yeah. that also reflects on our personalities a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, when yeah. you presented the same situation, how do you think about it? And I think, yeah. at least in my case, you have really hit a chord somewhere uh, by that narrative. I was like starting to question about your integrity and <laughs> the yeah, relationship yeah. and yeah. stuff. And I did forward this, um, <laughs> you know, this episode to a few of my friends as well. Uh, and I got very, very, uh, and most of them were really horrified. I think more because they are listening to their friend uh, getting killed or something. And it's more than the horror of uh, how it was done. It was about, oh, you know what? How could someone do this to you? Kind <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. yeah. And look, that's, that's, I'm really glad you raised that point because this is where horror becomes a superior genre to other genres because other genres, like let's say a spy thriller, um, you know, like a heist movie, who's going to go on a heist? Not many people. We know we are never, most of us are not going to be spies, but we will have at some stage have to lose someone we know. So I have had friends who have died in terrible accidents. And this, this is particular aspect you're talking about. You live through it at least once in your life some of these issues that you're exploring in horror will happen to you. You will endure it. You will suffer the pain of it. You will feel the terror of it for months and months and months. I remember when my, um, one of my distant cousins died, he, um, 
Well, there's a crazy story behind this, by the way, and I don't believe in astrology and things like that, but this is a really crazy story. You know how in Kerala everyone has a, 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 a book that's written when they were born with their astrological details? Jadagam, Kundli. Yeah, Kundli, yeah. Jadagam in Malayalam. I think in Hindi it's called Kundli. Kundli. Kundli, yeah. Yeah, so the, when the Kundli is written. So for my cousin, the astrologer refused to write past the age of 20. Oh, oh and guess when he died he died on the night before his 20th birthday just before midnight he went to grab a new car from pondicherry it was the night sri india was playing sri lanka and lost really bad in kolkata i think if i remember he was rushing back to watch that match or something like that and they got run over by a truck oh damn 90 so Yes, yes, 96 I think. I just I don't I don't remember the details, exact details of it, but I remember the trauma of it, you know what I mean? So I remember the horror of it. Um I we all of us like obviously her his mother and everyone else that knows him they all you know deal with, I I had a friend a few years ago who we loved very much uh, who died in the Middle East. He was in his early 30s he died of a heart attack and you know that's terrifying. That is horrifying. We still think about him. We feel deeply sad about it we feel horrified that this poor healthy young man could have come back from his office was about to call his wife and his one year old daughter on skype and before that falls dead without anyone to look after him uh you know th- those sort of things so some of these things that you're talking about um it 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 bears it bears looking at um beyond the point of en- being entertained so i'm glad that i got both those perspectives from you you know <clears throat> with your deep view of what you got out of the story in shankar that you were laughing in fact from the laughing point of view i have a friend an artist ryan kilborn i never go to watch movies with him especially horror movies because he starts laughing that's his way of coping with it <laughs> i i think i'm a similar kind because i remember watching conjuring conjuring 2 and all that and yeah. i don't know <laughs> conjuring i watched after getting a little drunk yeah <laughs> <laughs> all fun and games for me i don't know why i never felt you know scared or something yeah, my god the conjuring is so horrifying i can't believe you laughed through the thing you're just like my friend ryan <laughs> yeah the, the the conjuring second right you have valek is the yeah. devil right yeah and i was laughing out when no for me for came. me the reason uh, the thing is that um i like to immerse myself um, into into whatever that uh, that particular if it's let's say if it's a horror movie right Yeah. Um I like to take it with the intent of what the movie actually wants me to feel like. Uh what I'm trying to say is let's say if it's a horror movie like uh, you know Conjuring or Grudge or something. Yeah. Um uh, the person who is writing that story he really wants to impart that uh, feeling into you of horror and how it happens and stuff. Although you are not part of the story directly you're watching it, I like to immerse myself and make me feel as much horror hor- uh, you yeah. know horrific as possible so that I'm extracting most out of it so I don't try to make uh, you know uh, make something look like see what you see on the screen you can make a joke of it skeleton yes. or, or yeah, yeah. some scary thing that comes out and a clown can be a, a a funny thing or it can be a very scary thing as well okay, yeah. yeah clown can be so yes. so <laughs> in the in, yes, so, so I really try to look yeah. into the uh, intent behind what they're trying to do and yes. if it is scary oh. and then I want to be a part of it and completely feel the Uh, feel what they are, what they really want me to feel. So that's yeah, my same, same here. Yeah, 
that's why I, I really I, get scared about watching uh, that's why okay. i get scared when i read and I watch i think i think i should add on to this like uh, now that i know a little bit more about this i've always been you know uh, i always look at horror movies like okay this is not real mm. but now that mm. you put a perspective like you know you take personal experience and you know you you kind of amplify it and turn it yeah. into a different this thing like you know uh, yeah. talking about the priest from uh, exorcist exorcist yeah yeah is like uh, taking care of his mom you know so i think i can appreciate it a little more exactly. now that that's what yeah. i wanted to do uh, because everybody is trying to tell a story and every story comes from some kind of personal yeah. experiences with all yeah, yeah. so i want to respect that and i i intend to enjoy it I should, they want I, I, this is not to say that there are laughably bad horror movies there are some terrible ones absolutely awful ones i have seen some uh, sequ- so called sequels of evil dead movie which were just so rubbish uh, yeah, and yeah. i couldn't i could, couldn't help but just laugh through oh, the entire yeah movie. i think the movie uh, the horror movie i laughed a lot after watching was this one uh, texas chainsaw massacre massacre right <laughs> <laughs> did you watch the new ones or the old ones old one old one i watched right. the old one and yeah. i realized you know i shouldn't watch the new ones new one so, yeah 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 bad <laughs> it's all like it, it was all fun and games for me i was just laughing out yeah that was a different time altogether yeah. right i mean uh, yeah. that was the kind of movie that people this is actually a good a good time to segue into horror movie history and i want to talk to you about it a little bit because this will further furnish some of the ideas that we've been talking about in terms of what goes into horror and you know what how horror is enriched and how it should be experienced so stick with me for this one but i think it's valid talking about this um in terms of how, when we talk about horror in india and we talk more about our personal experiences including how and why i write indian horror but broadly the history of horror cinema is that it's come from a point of view where supernatural horror like zombies and ghosts were celebrated then went into like fear of the other technology then the fear of man as the truly terrible thing coming all the way back to supernatural horror where we are now um so a, a brief history lesson would be that horror movies they've existed in silent form since 1900s but 1930s when sound was revolutionized was when it became a uh, uh, you know a real power and as you we've been discussing with the different um movies and books uh sorry the movies especially sounds add such a important layer to the experience of horror so 1930s you're talking about the early dracula frankenstein the mummy those original ones um and and they existed um and and they they came into their own power with sound uh so you will you will see that sort of you know early um early interest in 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 the 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 monstrous horror by 1950s um it was about this fear of technology running riot and horror in the in the movie business um sort of fell into the b grade um category and the mainstream really popular writers i writers and directors and actors were not really interested so the people who were doing horror at that stage were all these outsider artists in the fringe and that's the birth of like the b grade creature features like creature features like a uh, creature from the black lagoon for example and mm-hmm. um, like some of those universal international monster movies which they recently tried to reboot and they failed um well, you know about this you know that that sh- terrible tom cruise movie the mummy 
Oh, I didn't see it. I heard a lot, but uh, then, then I decided it's not worth my time. <laughs> okay, absolutely. It was a total waste of money. So they were trying to reboot that, you know, earlier success that Universal um, Pictures oh, one, which, one which came out in 99, they were trying to reboot that series? Uh, no, that was a different attempt. But that was excellent. I really love those movies. That was nice. That was something that I enjoyed, at least the first first part of there it. Was a key. But they're not strictly horror. They're more like an adventure, wouldn't you say? They're more like a... A horror movie it's just yeah. an adventure thriller not thriller also it's just adventure movie yeah so moving on from that 50s period so in 1960s we have some of the classics in horrors like psycho and the birds with hitchcock yeah and i'm sure you you've seen or at least heard of those movies absolutely see uh, i remember watching uh, psycho like a few years ago and I don't think was, was like, it few years ago. Did we not watch together? No, that that was my third time. What? I am the one who introduced you, know, you to I, that. Time. I don't think it's been a year since I watched that. Yeah, movie, yeah. Right? I watched it in 2013 or something. Right. So this. Wow. So tell me more about I, this. So who introduced you to whom, and then how how has it progressed in terms of the enjoyment of that movie? So I think um, my experience was was that I have heard of Psycho many times and in most of the top 10 lists of movies and all that thriller movies and horror movies, this thing is always there. And I, I've read a lot of Alfred Hitchcock uh, short stories and book novels when I was in uh, school also. So I know what uh, standard of writing he has. So, and I yeah. heard, uh, I've heard about the story as well. And when Shankar came in and said, you know what, this is, there is this, uh, you know, uh, movie called Psycho. I was like, I know about the movie, but I've never watched it. I think I would get bored watching it. Mm. He somehow convinced me. Both of us sat together and I watched it. And especially the last, the scene, the last scene, right? You remember the last scene uh, (laughs) uh, where he come, uh, you know, walks in. You won't believe it. I have, I have not felt that, uh, that in a long time. I think after watching Exhaustus, this was, this was almost 14 or 15 years after that. I literally felt my hair rising all over my body, especially in my back, uh, on my neck and my hands. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I was petrified. I was trying to make sense of what I just saw. I was like, yeah. how can this older movie, you know, create this kind of a oh, reaction in one who's watching it almost after 60 years of it being and, released? And I think what what worked more was that it, it it's a black and white movie, right? I think mm. that also added. To it. And Very creepy. The yeah. house, the yeah. basement, and like everything. I, I knew about Alfred Hitchcock's work since you know 2008 or something because I am so much into World War stuff. So yeah. there's a document about uh, the 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 uh, concentration camps which he had done. It's gruesome, yeah. and then I got into uh, the series which was called which is called Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, Alfred yeah. Hitchcock Presents, yeah. and. That's like just wonderful. Then I watched uh, this movie called uh, The Vertigo. Yeah. It's only after that I started, uh, I, I watched Psycho. So uh, it was a little too late, but it's, you know, it's better late than never. Yeah. So yeah. That's- so, so Alfred Hitchcock comes in and he makes these classic Psycho and The Birds. The Birds, I don't like it as much, but Psycho, same experience as you. I love that movie. Um uh, but also uh, in that same time period, we have Rosemary's Baby. I don't know if you know much about that, if you watched it. There was a recent version, which was equally good. But I've read the, the novel when I got my 
Elur Library uh, card. It's one of the first books I've read, and it creeped me out and still creeps me out. Uh, if you get to watch the movie or the book, read it. But it's about this woman who is pregnant. She comes to live in this Parisian apartment, and her neighbors are really strange. They have this overt interest in her. They start visiting her. They become friends with her. And it just goes downhill from there. I mean, it is creepy. So if you want a similar experience as what you had with Psycho, engage with that one. Okay. Have you heard, have you heard of it or? No. No, I... you, you must check it out. Rosemary's Baby. Even if you watch the recent version they did, it's, it's quite incredible. Obviously reading it is, um, <clears throat> is, um, you know, it's, it's a much better experience. The seventies and eighties in horror movies. That's when horror really came onto itself because you had big budgets. It started getting a little bit more deeper, like it started engaging, engaging with psychological fears, um, societal problems. And particularly in the 80s, something huge happened, which was the introduction of practical special effects. So you can imagine how that would have really elevated uh, you know, the material, what was laughable before was now truly terrifying. So, um, you know, movies, uh, like, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Carrie, The Omen, um, The Shining, mm-hmm. Evil Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, that's all from that time period. That's what young Nikesh would have watched as well. So that's a good point for me to ask you this question. How young were you when you watched your first horror movies? Uh, my f- okay, this might be laughable as well. Uh, I, my first recollection of watching horror movie uh, was, I think, um, I would have been not more than five or six years. Or six, yes, yes, years maximum, right? And it was not a um, Hollywood movie. You won't believe this. This was a Bollywood movie. Yeah. Um, I, I was living in De- we were living in Delhi at the time, and I had my cousins also there. And this one cousin of mine is a big fan of horror movies. Yeah, and it was in the year ninety one or ninety two. I think uh, there was this movie called Junoon, which was released, and it was a story about a guy turning into a tiger uh, at twelve o'clock at night every day, something like that. It, it's it's when I think about it right now, it 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 seems very funny, but yeah, I remember. And those were the days of cassette players, right? And we had yeah. this VCR home, and my cousin and I we went to the nearest shop. We got this, and he was like, "Oh, this movie has come up, Junoon. It's a horror movie. Let's watch." And I was not at all thrilled at the idea. I was very, I was very scared as a kid about, uh, you know, horror and all those kind of things. I still remember watching this thriller, uh, Michael Jackson's thriller. It came on TV one day and I was really scared uh, seeing him transform into a werewolf and all that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we got this cassette. We came back home. Um, my mom made uh, Maggie noodles for both of us, which was like a staple food for us at that time. And I was very, really fond of it. Uh, we've started playing the movie and we started eating the Maggie at the same time. Uh, and you know what happened in the course of watching movie, I actually forgot to finish the, um, finish what I was eating and there was still left in the plate when the movie got over and that has never happened before. Yeah. It was, it was, that was my first full blown uh, movie watching, uh, horror movie watching experience. That Someone needs to start a show where they review movies while eating Maggie noodles. If, and the quality of the movie is determined by how many, how much Maggie noodles is left in the plate. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea for a show. Horror and Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about you, um, Shankar, what, what was your experience? <laughs> I think Junoon is the remake of the movie, uh, what is that? American werewolf, werewolf in London? Ah, right. In Paris, I think it's called. Yeah. 
I am not sure where. Yeah. So I think it's that one. My uh, okay. Mine is quite laughable too. I th- is Manichatar a, a horror movie? Yeah, I think it's a horror movie. I think I think it's an excellent horror movie. It's it's look. I don't know how many times I have watched the movie, and I know they made a shitty remake uh, for our North oh, Indian yeah. friend. Uh, you know, please just watch the the Malayalam version with subtitles. See, even if you don't understand Malayalam, yeah. I think the one you should watch is the Malayalam version and nothing else. Yeah. So we watched it in theaters, right? Yeah. We so that was a time when we moved from Delhi back to Kerala. So you know, our family decided to uh, you know uh, go back to Kerala for settling down there. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, with our neighbors, this was one of the first movies that we uh, went to the theaters to watch. And yeah. yeah, so I was I was like three years old. Yeah, and yeah. you can imagine how petrified I was, but I fell in love with Sobhana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what, a, what a stunning woman! I she came to Canberra when I was living there a few years ago with her uh, her dance um, performance. Uh, I think it's called Leela, and I really wanted to see her. Like I, I've always, I don't think, I don't know if there is any man in South India who doesn't have a crush on Sobhana. What an amazing yeah. woman! That's true. And I think she was just 23 years old at the time yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah, so that made a psychological effect on um, me as well because I think that would have been the second or third horror movie that I've yeah. watched in my life. Imagine that's the first movie I've watched in theaters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah. Uh, that, you cannot count that. I think there's a really funny story which, uh, okay, I, I, I'm not sure if I should divulge into it, but I think I should. So uh, I was like six or something. Well, if you feel if you feel like you shouldn't, then you absolutely must. That means it's a great story. <laughs> so uh, one thing that scared me was okay. Oh man, this is gonna be so bad. Yeah, uh, you watched the music video of <laughs> "Everybody" by Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, that used to scare you? Yes. I think you had a dream about that. Yeah. <laughs> I walked like, you know, something called Jukebox or MTV, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were, uh, I was there on vacation with my cousins in Delhi and I watched this thing. I was like, yeah, this is a good song. But then I had a dream about it, you know, yeah. especially the character which Brian played, the werewolf. werewolf. And that creeped the heck out of me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a lot of people find Backstreet Boys uh, music pretty horrifying. So look, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> I'm so hide in a hide in a you know ditch or something. I'm, I'm never coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, look, for me, I um, I my parents had no censorship on what I could watch or read, which meant that I was uh, watching Evil Dead when I was five or six years old. I watched The Fly, The Exorcist, The Thing. Right. Uh, look, pretty much everything that I've listed in the 70s or 80s list that I was just talking about, um, I watched during that period. And uh, The Omen, uh, Carrie, which I don't remember too much, Halloween I never watched, and I watched the latest one. But all those things I watched and I, you know, obviously had a great impact on me. But carrying on with what I was saying before, so that was 70s and 80s. We come to 90s, which is when I suppose, especially us, we would have more memory of the horror classics, but the trend you will hear 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 horror theorists use this term. Uh, it's the Grand Guignol trend, which is Grand Guignol used to be this theater in Pigalle in France, early 1900s till 1964. They used to stage these elaborate horror theater productions, 
and you know they were a graphic. So essentially, what I did to both of you in the story is employing Grand Guignol technique. So mm-hmm. those squishy sounds, lots of blood, atmosphere. So people in Pigalle, when they were watching those things, they would faint. It would be that terrifying. Yeah. And what they would do is they would have the ghost walk amidst the crowd. So they would be telling the story and the ghost would be sitting right next to you. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Look look into it. Look it up on YouTube. So it's, spe- it's spelled, so Grant, G-R-A-N-D, and Winyol is G-U-I-G-N-O-L. Uh, and it's amazing what those artists did with that. And so Grand Union techniques bleed into cinema. And I will talk about these two films because I'm pretty sure it's it's something that's impacted you as well. Seven mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman yeah, yeah. and Silence of the Lambs with uh, with uh, the amazing, uh, um, I, I can't remember the name, Jodie Foster and... Uh, that's right. And so... Um, the, so the, that that became the horror of the nineties. The recognition that man is truly horrifying, maybe not supernatural elements. A man whose motivation cannot be understand, understood, who had a deep seated aberration in their soul that led them to kidnap and murder, and those things became the trend of the nineties. Do you do you remember that trend? Did you engage with that trend? One of the movies, I don't know if this uh, strictly falls into horror, but uh, do you remember a movie called Hollow Man? Yeah, yeah. Right. It it also falls in the similar lines, right? It it yeah, actually yeah. went uh, when um I forgot his name. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's character becomes uh you know goes through this experiment and he becomes you know invisible. That is yeah. when all internal uh you know demons come out and he does everything that he was only thinking about all there. So you know uh, yeah. his character story. It slowly becomes a villain of the movie, right? He was great uh, in that movie. He was fantastic in that movie. Yeah. So that is one movie that comes to my mind from the late nineties. Um, you know, what about Seven? Time, did, you, did you guys not watch Seven? I watched Seven. I think maybe uh, a year or a couple. I think a couple of years back. Yeah. Not not. What, what did you think? What did you think about it? The reason that I watched Seven is because I was in love with those kind of movies. That uh, there was a there was a phase when we were you know Usual watching Suspect. Usual Suspects mm. and Seven and all these kind of uh, you know movies. Um, I don't have much of a recollection of how I felt when I watched Seven uh, mm. because it that was the time when I watched a series of movies and probably I shouldn't have watched it uh, that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, uh, I remember the last scene. Uh, last scene. Um, I mean, they leave it to you, right, to think. Uh, you, to kind of um, um, uh, your imagination as to what is inside the box and stuff like that's that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. So I like that kind of uh, open-ended stuff as well. So it, it uh, it's up to your imagination as to how you want to end the story, right? I, I, so yeah. I found that fascinating. That's, that's what right. I'm and so those, those movies fall in the horror genre as well for that reason, especially because of the way they stage the crime scenes, you know? It's very grand guignolish. You know the 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 intestines hanging off the walls, the blood used to write stuff on the, on the walls, um, um, and, and all that stuff. And then we come, into, yeah. And then we come into two thousands, and now we, which is where we are situated now in terms of where the genre is at. We don't need any more cinematic reinforcements that human beings are the worst form of horror. I mean, right. we are living it. You know, every day you open the news and someone strapped a bomb on and decided to explode it somewhere and kill human beings. In the, in a world of Bin Ladens and 
um, you know, crime sprees in cities. We don't need that reiteration. And that's why we've come back to supernatural horror, like The Conjuring that you were talking about before. Right. And we've come full circle in that sense. And feeding into this has been our engagement with other cultures because of globalization. And you see like Asian inspired horror movies and things like that. But, you know, the ghosts and the zombies, they're very much a flavor of our times. Um, but you can see why. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of movies I'd like to talk about from the, I think, early uh, 2000 and 2000, the, the current decade. Like, sure. Uh, what's a movie called the, uh, Shutter? I may have watched, but I can't remember it. Jog my memory. What, tell me about like, it. So uh, this guy moves moves to Japan and uh, he gets into a relationship with the girl and, you know, uh, he's not. Yes, I remember that movie. Yes, it's an excellent movie. Yes. So that's one movie which made me go like, wow. So, uh, like, uh, he goes to the doctor and he checks his weight, right? Mm. And it shows, like, somewhere around 130 kg. And I couldn't figure out what the hell does this Ooh, mean. I remember but, this. And you you see, the like, he electrocutes himself and then they show him in a sanatorium. And the last scene, they show where the ghost really is, right? He's and hanging on his back. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, so that is the extra yeah. weight. Yeah. <laughs> weight. I have, I've actually paid homage to that scene in Fear FM. So if you remember, there's an episode where Prakash is try- waiting for the email from his friend and the darkin decides to rest her chin on her, on his shoulder. Uh, and I was paying homage to that particular scene because I think like truly one of the most original ways uh, that, uh, you know, filmmakers have come up with to terrify people. Oh, do you know what what that scene brought into my mind is uh, again going back to Kerala. Uh, there is this other demigod called Kuti Chatan. I'm sure you would have yeah. heard about Kuti Chatan yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. So there are some uh, you know some people who do this Chatan seva by play, you know pleasing Kuti Chatan. He brings a lot of wealth or something is what the story is. And the thing is the deal with him is once you invoke him into your life, you cannot get rid of him. Yeah. Right. I've heard a story, I think this was somewhere in North Kerala where um, there is this wealthy guy and he got all his wealth by, you know, calling Kuti Chatan and taking his help. And later he felt that it was too much to manage him. So you have to feed him alcohol and, you know, non-vegetarian food and all that. So yeah. he tried to get rid of him, but they all, and from then on, he started having this uh, crazy shoulder pain and neck pain and all that for a long time. Yeah. Many doctors, they couldn't figure out what happened. Later, they went to some Jyotishi or someone. I mean, some kind of pe- those kind of people whom you find in Kerala. Uh, yeah. What he said was, you try to get rid of Kutichatan, but he's around your neck. Right yeah, now. wow. So that is, a, that is a thing that came to my mind when I was listening to that story of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was paying homage to that scene in Shutter. And it's not just Shutter. There's lots of... Um, uh, stories where they've tried to incorporate that element. Someone told me years ago there was a Telugu movie where they used that same technique as well, where this man at the end finds that his girlfriend as a ghost is hanging around his neck as well. Um, and I remembered, and it was that, and the reason why I remember that is that the person who told me that story said it's, you know, narrated that story so well that that image stayed with me. Uh, and I think that's, that's the appeal of horror as well in, in its telling. That's one thing I try to do with Indian Noir. I'm not trying to do an audiobook. I'm not trying to write a literary fiction award-winning novel. I'm not trying to do a TV production. What I'm actually trying to do is invoke that feeling of telling a good ghost story around a campfire. 
because they are the ones that stay with you the most. And so, I wanted to say this earlier when you said, um, you know, um, this is more like a two-page story that comes in, uh, you know, all this uh, weekly magazines yeah. in Kerala. Yeah. I think that really works out even for for me as a listener, right? When I see yeah. a new episode coming out, I know that there is some action happening in this five or seven minutes, and I'm really completely focused on you know listening the story. Yes. The problem, yeah. if it is more like as you said, uh, you know, trying to make a commercial story out of this, we have we have been saturated by those kind of things, right? Yeah. But your story is something which. maybe my friends or i would say while you know drinking out on a night or we go to some spooky distant place uh, in the hills of ooty sometime yeah. and we want to come up with these stories which will kind of scare us these are the kind of stories that you would say that is why it's more relatable at least for, i'm just talking about talking for myself uh, here yeah. that is one reason that i listen and the and i mostly listen to your stories at night yeah you know just <laughs> going to bed it, it i feel that is a right time to listen to uh, you know these kind of stuff Yeah. So what I do is once I'm done with my work, I just put my earphones, I go to bed, and I listen to this one episode that yeah. comes out, and it really gives me a feeling that oh, you know what? I just had a discussion with my friend, and we just had this conversation about this uh, this this spooky thing that was happening. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting that you say that about the seven minutes and knowing something's going to happen, and that's the guarantee of a campfire tale. So when I finished my high school and I was going into university years, I was a bit of a wayward kid. A lot of lots of us were at that stage because we really didn't know what to do with our lives, to be honest with you. <laughs> and in Kerala at the time, there was a lot of um, political unrest, so we could have easily gone into some of those political parties and you know just ruined our lives. uh just being bad kids but we had luckily most of us were plucked from the streets so to speak by the university wing of YMCA so they had a great university YMCA branch in Trivandrum and a wonderful wonderful man named David Gaynios whom a lot of us are very thankful for for rescuing us from that situation um he took us in we had a debating society we had these summer camps we would go to and it's particularly at this summer camps that i realized the value of the campfire storytelling technique because after going through all the classes in the morning we would have hours and hours in the evening where we would sit around and people would take turns telling the story and no medium would give me as much satisfaction as the stories that i encountered during that time period um i remember a particularly well told one my friend sam used to tell me this used to tell me this uh, told me this story uh, once around one of those campfires he said that when he was studying for medicine they had a camp uh, he studied in trivandrum uh, which is the capital of kerala they went to a city called korikode and they had a camp medical camp there and they were, had a busy day of looking after patients they went up to the roof so sam sam and i and and a few others were sitting around the camp and sam's telling me the story about what happened to him and his friends they went to korikode they had this camp they had a busy day and they um they had a power cut okay. and so they decided they were going to get out of the house which was really warm and they were going to the roof uh where um they decided they were going to smoke and there were four of them and they were smoking and his good friend Iqbal who was at the end you know he was he was having this whole conversation and they were cracking jokes talking about their girlfriends what they were going to do next 
They spoke like that for hours. They went went through a couple of packets, all of them, and they finished the conversation. And Iqbal said, um, yeah, you didn't tell me that that other guy was turning up. And they all asked, turned up to him and said, what other guy? He said, what do you mean? Like, there's five of us. And they said, no, there's, there's only four of us. And then Sam realizes he also thought there were five of them because he remembers five cigarette, the t- fire at the end of fi- the tips of five cigarettes as they were talking. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I thought someone else had joined in this as well, but there wasn't. There was only the four of them. And it's a simple story, right? From beginning to end, told around a campfire and that atmosphere, you can't shake it for days. Hey, uh, man, wow. uh, <laughs> this is insane. Don't we have something similar? A story which is like, oh, yeah. Similar? Is it is it the, the time when we were walking on? Yes. The, okay. Uh, you know what? I think we had a similar experience. And, um, you know, both of us don't believe in supernatural either. Don't we believe in uh, and nor we believe in anything that has got to do with which science can't explain and all that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So um, I think this was sometime around 2009 uh, time. I had just finished my college and I was back home um, without, I had nothing to do, right? Basically between the time that you get a job and uh, the time that you leave your college, there are like two or three months of uh, finding the job and all those kind of things, right? So I was back from college. I was staying uh, with my parents at that time. I um, So we were staying in this house, which was adjacent to a paddy field. Yeah, And there was a road which was connecting, uh, um, you know, there was a temple on the other side and which was on, on the side of this pad- paddy field. It was around, along the border of the paddy field towards our house. Yeah, the paddy field is like, it's huge, you know. Yeah. And it's not like a road. It's like a varambuk. Have you heard of yeah. the word varambuk? Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, it's it's kind of it's kind of this kacha road uh, which which is passing through, and there are a few houses on uh, towards the beginning of the road on the either ends, and in between it's completely empty. And one of the and uh, one side is this paddy field, and the other side is completely fenced. Okay, yeah. so uh, since I had nothing much to do. I used to go on these long walks in the evenings. You know, walks are a good time to think about stuff, and you know, I really enjoyed those. And we used to have conversations along, which now has become writer and geek show. So we used to have all these conversations that we're having right now when we used to go for the walks like 10 years ago. Okay. Wow. Um, and so we were kind of returning back home and it would have been closer to what, uh, 738 o'clock. And there are no street lights there. Okay. Yeah, there are no yeah. street lights on this particular road. This is it's not a road moonlight. that, this is not a road that we generally take. We usually take the main road, but that day we decided to go for a longer walk and we were just returning back. And as we were walking uh, down the road, um, we saw a figure who was walking ahead of us and we couldn't yeah. uh, really make out who he was or what he was and yeah, all that. Uh, like he was talking to one of the patrons from the yeah. house, which was, you know, near the temple. And uh, before we reached that house, he just uh, went off. Like he was like probably 20, 30 meters in front of us. Yeah, yeah. maybe less than that. Yeah. Maybe less than that. And uh, it was uh, really dark. All we could see is just a plain outline of his clothes. A silhouette. Yeah, right. A silhouette thing. And he was walking ahead. He had no lights in his hand. He was just walking, walking. And we didn't pay much attention to it because it seemed completely normal, right? And the road was just curving around and uh, we were just walking behind him. And it never occurred to us because it was a very normal thing for someone to be walking on the road. Yeah. We were having a conversation. Suddenly we realized that the person who was walking in front of us has completely disappeared. Hmm. 
he was not there and there are no side roads there are there is nothing where uh, there was no place where he could hide or yeah. he could have just turned off the road or something like that and yeah. because the road you are you can see the end, other end of the road from this side it's completely yeah. empty yeah um, one side is completely fenced you cannot go that side and if he had entered the paddy field you can still see him because i think he was wearing a white shirt or yeah. something and exactly and suddenly he disappeared and we wow. have tried 10000 different uh, you know uh, theories as to what would have happened to him or where he went yeah. but uh, we couldn't we couldn't conclude as still to don't what, know what happened there right it's it's incredible it's the, the a lot of people have told me the stories i mean the craziest one for which there is even photographic evidence is my friend kiran kumar who i used to study with in school years earlier on facebook he said to me because you know he knew i used to write horror stories and stuff and he said to me um he was on his way from Kerala, uh, Kerala, I don't know where in Kerala, to Bangalore. And he stopped in on, in the middle of this sort of dark highway because they, him and his friends wanted to take a break. And they were smoking cigarettes similarly. And, um, you know, they goofed around. They took some photos of each other, blah, blah, blah. And they were in the car heading back to Bangalore. And <clears throat> his friend similarly said, oh, you know, do you remember that kid? Who was with us? It was really odd that he was standing around there in the middle of the night, you know, hanging out with us. So the other two guys in the car, including Kiran, said, what kid? It was just the three of us. There was no kid. And <clears throat> they kept driving and they're like, you know, geez, this guy must be really tired or he's had something that we haven't had as part of his cigarette smoking session. And they thought he was an idiot. And... <clears throat> They reached Bangalore, they forgot about it. Then Kiran, weeks later, looked at the photos he took, and he sent me one of those photos. There's a photo, or clearly one of the friends is taking the photo of the two of the others, standing next to the next to Kiran, is what can only be described as a malformed kid. He looks like a... He looks like a, like, you know, like those kids who would be like a cleaner in a truck in India that you would see. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got th- those sort of clothes, but he's not quite right. He's not quite human is the best way to describe it. But you can wow. see his shirt, gray pants, and he's got a grin on his face, but you know that he's not quite there. And I'm telling you, it is one of the freakiest things I've ever seen in my life. There is nothing... Uh, I just got goosebumps listening. I, know. I mean, imagine me when I got that photo because Kiran wouldn't lie to me. He's not trying to trick me. He's got nothing to gain from tricking to me. He was asking me a genuine question. And look, if you look into it, you can say, hmm, it's a light aberration. You know, the camera did that. It's a reflection from somewhere. But what's right. odd about that photo is that the instead of being the same height as the others who are adults, so an aberration, you know, you would think if it's a reflection of the person with the same height, it's at the knee height, like a little child. And he's looking up and he's got a different hair. The way his hair is combed is very different from the others in the photo. And he's just there, his head tilted in an angle and smiling. And then there is also the issue of his friend actually saying, what's the deal with that kid? Right? Hmm. So one of them actually saw the others, didn't One of them actually saw the kid and said, and he just looked at him and went, this is really odd. What's this kid doing in the, here in the middle of the night? And that's it. Wow. 
okay yeah. <laughs> so the uh, you know what the the thing that makes these kind of stories more special is not about what level of uh un- unbelievable horror lies in it it's about they yeah. are being said by sources which are close to you correct very fable and these are the people you know day in and day out and you know inside out of them and they are the ones who are telling you these stories right. so you have the evidence in the form of a picture exactly and, and people like you right they don't believe in the supernatural even like even yeah. as he's sharing this with me he's saying this is rubbish this is a photographic evidence but when you put the two together and i have to say this <clears throat> that my um i can't remember his name now if we google it we can find it it's um I came across this guy as part of my work with the YMCA in Trivandrum, who was a, 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 a lecturer in parapsychology in Trivandrum. And, um, you know, I went to his house with, along with my other un, un, university YMCA friends. He's got this amazing house in the middle of Trivandrum where it's multiple levels. He's got multicolored lights. He's left the property grow out of control because he believes that attracts spirits. And he's been researching paranormal phenomenon for years. And I asked him blatantly, I said to him, look, I don't believe in this rubbish. Like, you know, is there any truth to this? And he said to me, over 35 years of looking at different cases, there's perhaps two instances where he's actually thought there might be some evidence. Okay. Right. The first instance he said was he went to this house in the Jewish quarter in Kuchin and every year just on Christmas day for a few minutes, there will be a party going on upstairs. And he said that when you say party, it's a party. There's people talking, there's plates banging, people, share, you know, sharing plates, people laughing, and then it disappears. The sound just like that. Is this so, the sound? Has anyone even gone, uh, gone up to see that? Or yeah, there's nothing there. When you go up to see, there's nothing there. When you're downstairs, at a particular time, you hear the sound. And he said, he just still can't explain it to this day. And secondly, he said to me, there was this instance where a, he didn't give me the name for obvious reasons. I kind of guessed who it might have been, but mm-hmm. a industrialist in Trivandrum, who was the head of a, a, a minerals company, he had a lakeside house and right. he couldn't get, he couldn't keep hold of any of his maids because they would always get frightened at something that was walking in through the kitchen door and it would frighten them and they would never come back again. So he was on his, on his eighth maid at that stage and he decided he needed to do something. And so he talked to the professor and the professor went to see the site and he, you know, used his instruments, whatever he uses, which I think is laughable. Like, you know, the, the, the electrospectrograph stuff and the sounds, I don't believe in that rubbish. Anyway, he used all of that. And nothing came out. And he was going for a walk around the place. And he said that at 6 p.m., and so there are other houses around that house as well, okay? So imagine an L shape, if you can. So at the house that we're talking about is at the extreme end of that L. Mm -hmm. And the other end of the L is near the lake. Anyway, and there are houses along the way of that L shape. L-shaped road. At around 6, 6.30 p.m., he said that the dog in the first house barked, he stopped. Then the dog in the second house barked, he stopped. The dog in the third house barked, he stopped. 
and somehow something came to a stop in front of the house we are talking about. And he thought this is really odd. And he fixed the problem. And the way he fixed the problem was he changed the lighting in that area. He put a high-end halogen bulb at the entrance of that room. And then he went and did his research. That spot where that lake is was where robbers and criminals used to be beheaded or their hands would be chopped off in the time of the kings in Trivandrum. So there is no way to explain it. But from that, you also get this cue that it seems to me from a lot of people who believe in paranormal phenomenon and people who research parapsychology that it seems like certain events have a resonance to them and they somehow seem to get recorded in a place and it plays out like a loop, you know, like something that's imprinted in a VHS tape and it keeps playing again and again and again and some people happen to see what's happened. If you change the environmental factors around that place, it changes. If you change the lighting, if you change the building structure, if you change whatever that surrounds that place, the phenomenon ends. He, that particular professor, I'll, I'll find it and send you the name of the guy. I can't remember his name now, but he, what he was, from what he was saying, he didn't believe in ghosts that come out of the coffin and, you know, chase you around and kill you. Right. But some things are so sad, are so profound that perhaps an echo of those things stay back. And perhaps mm-hmm. that's a ghost. Maybe the child that my friend Kiran Kumar saw was a child who got killed on the road, you know? Maybe it was such a traumatic thing. Maybe he was trying to go to his mother and he died at that instant and it imprinted that part of space and time with such sadness that he's stuck in that loop. It's a possibility. See, as much as, um, you know, I don't believe in, the, as much as I don't believe in all these things, there's always a part of me that is very curious about these kind of things, right? I mean, these are ex- some stories that your friends are saying. And yeah. I've heard some similar, uh, you know, uh, stuff that comes from the, you know, rural Kerala, a lot of stuff. And people whom you know on a daily basis come and tell you these kind of stories. So I, sometimes I sit, I, I just sit down and I think about all these things. I'm like, I want to completely throw it away as garbage and rubbish. But there's a part of me that wants these things to be true. And, you know, there's a part of me that wants to go and explore into all these kind of things. And really uh you know understand whether is there something that is outside of what we know is there yeah. something that traditional science cannot explain um that's right but but again i have this uh, uh, you know as much as i say that i don't believe in this a part of me also says that you know what dude don't go and put your head into all this yeah what if there is something yeah. that really is there and you get stuck in it and you know it that's kind right. of haunts you for the rest of your life and it's it's some evidence, right? Like it's not everything. Most of it just sounds like right. rubbish. But sometimes you come across stuff that is a bit profound, like Kiran's story that I told you. But the other thing was, <clears throat> other thing that I'd like to point out to is on YouTube, I think they've got all the Ghost Hunter series uh, videos yeah. for free. Um, and there's there's lots of different shows. But the one I'm talking about is the one that's run by the two brothers who are plumbers. I don't know if you, uh, what are they called? They've got an acronym. Uh, in front of the show name and they're ghost hunters. You'll find this on YouTube, but mm-hmm. they are great because like, just like us, they don't believe in any of this mostly, you know, and they want solid evidence. And the fact that they are plumbers actually help because let's admit it. Most ghostly phenomenon is actually plumbing is the sound exactly. in your, exactly. in, in the pipes. 
It's expanding. It's contracting. It's usually wind because of the vents in the house. That's what's going on. So these guys are great. So they will go in, they'll check the plumbing, they'll check the vents. They'll try to remove all the uh, other factors that might be causing the sound. And then what they do is they set up the cameras and the sounds. And there's a particular episode where they go to the hotel that actually inspired the hotel in the movie The Shining, which is meant to be one of the most haunted hotels in the world. And they've got this camera footage of the um, of something pulling the bed sheet down from one of the brothers. Um, it looks oddly creepy. It looks like someone's pulling it down. But, you know, I was happy to dismiss it. I was like, look, what if the feet is moving at an unnatural angle that it makes it look like the sheet's going right. down? But it oddly looks like someone's pulling it down. Anyway, I discounted that. I didn't care. Blah, whatever. But they also set up, that was from the camera in the room, but there was also audio equipment in the room where they captured sounds. Mm-hmm. And they would ask questions like the woman, I think, was one of the, it was a duchess from a royal family. So, and her, her name was Mary. And so they would ask her questions like, Mary, are you there? Mary, can you hear us? Mary, if you hear us, can you knock on the wall two times? You know, the usual paranormal right. stuff. Anyway, they did that. They came back and there's always a segment in the show where they analyze the evidence. Anyway, the recordings happen and to the question, Mary, are you there? And all those questions, you can hear very clearly a who? What? Now, it's not the response that really tagged me. It's the way the response is generated. So it is as if someone who was on a different plane suddenly heard this sound and went, huh? Who? Do you know what I mean? So you, so you can, you can fake and you can perhaps interpret a sound in a particular way as in, as in a word, right? You can think that it's who, but I don't know if you can fake the way in which it's said. Do you know what I mean? Like it really sounded like it's like someone was walking past and when, right. I, I think the that, that ghost or whatever the the other being is also surprised by hearing the voices of these, these two people. Right? Do you remember the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman and the child? Where no, not you, uh, the, they're in a different dimension or something like that? They, they are ghosts. They, they, it, so you watch the whole movie thinking they are actually people living in the house when they are actually the ghosts. Yes, 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 yes. yes I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, and the same thing happens. So they keep hearing these odd sounds. And they're always wondering what's going on. And, you know, that recording, I think, is incredible. It's incredible because of the quality of the responses that are back. Not that they're just words, but the way they're intoned. Um, Yeah. uh, This reminds me of an episode from the series called Ahat. Mm, I'm glad we are on the same wavelength today. I was about to talk about Ahat, but go ahead. Yeah, they're like um, some, like, like, there is a world, but it's like, you know, there are like two dimensions. One is like the normal real one. And there is another one, which is more darker and people are stuck there in the darker side, which is where there is like always night and all that. And, uh, the, the spirits are like people from the darker side. They are trying to communicate with right. others through, uh, paper clips and all yes, that kind yes. of stuff. I don't. Yeah, that's what it is. And I, you know, where they have ripped off, I don't, it's not rip off. The same thing exists in the Stranger Things also. Where there is a word and the world and the kid gets stuck there and he uses the light in the room to communicate and all that. Yeah, Yeah. I think that 
that in ahat it's it's a, it's a like you know it's a story construct that's you know human beings have used for a long time but my point about this particular one was the actual evidence that was collected but coming back to ahat i'm glad you brought that up <clears throat> ahat is one of the few indian tv shows that i think in some episodes succeed in creating great horror universes some of the episodes were superbly brilliant most of it was rubbish but we need to applaud whoever made that for the amount of effort and creativity they put into it because it's incredible do you do you both remember watching it regularly yeah, yeah, I, yeah. the i remember uh, distinctly um i think it was the year 99 and uh, my elder cousin he was studying in uh, a college in kasaragod and it was his vacation time i went with him back to delhi and we used to sit and play these video games till you know like 1 o'clock 2 o'clock and i d- remember this i had used to rerun at 2:30 in the morning or something like that yeah, and right. we made sure that we watched that every day i never enjoyed it much but my as i told you my cousin was too much into horror and we used to sit yeah. and watch the episodes and the episode that i think you mentioned i watched it that time or something no we right. watched it okay Oh, you 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 enjoyed it too. Um yeah, I enjoyed it. I used to make sure that I used to watch all the episodes of uh, that series. Yeah. Shankar is the, is like were you a regular viewer? Yeah, same same year, same year. Same year. Um, yeah, so you were you were with them while you were watching that as well. Um <laughs> but I have watched it you know other times, yeah. Yeah, so I used to watch it quite regularly. Um I used to have to fight for the TV with my father, so it was a bit of an annoyance. We only had one TV, so that was a problem. But um Talking about Ahat, uh, there's a particular episode that's always stayed with me, um, which, which I think I will reflect on that with regards to a technique that's used in horror, which is the stinger that's delivered at the end of a story. So, for example, in the story that I told you about Sam, the stinger is that at the end of it, you know, who's the fifth guy? And it's told at the end and it stays with you and creeps you out, right? Like you can't stop thinking about it. And, you know, I try to do this with... Um, <clears throat> with Indian noir but um you often can't very successfully because it's a it's a serialized format as well but in each episode there'll be something there that'll be um left to um cause the cause this feeling of um of um um fear that lingers which affects works really well in horror right so um so this this favorite episode of mine in our hut which i th- think uh, which i think about to this day and i don't know if you guys have seen it it's this group of friends who tricks this particularly scaredy cat friends of friend of theirs by inviting him to a house and telling him a lie that it's a haunted house mm. that they're going to stay in that house overnight and they're going to see if they can encounter paranormal phenomenon and they get together with other friends and they find a way to scare him have you seen this episode i i don't remember it right maybe when you go deeper into the story it's, might... it's incredible So as we watch the story we are thinking that the paranormal phenomenon are all true but 3/4 of the way the other friends get together and they say we've done really well tricking that other guy did you see his face when that thing happened did you see how he screamed when the other thing happened and they start laughing about it and you know and one of the the girls who's particularly sympathetic to the scary cat guy says look guys look i you know i tagged along with you long enough i think it's time to end this show we've had our fun and you know we need to stop at which point they realize the guy is not with them what oh their friend is not with them and they're like where is he gone 
The friend, was, the, yeah, the, the friend who was the scaredy cat friend that they were trying to scare and, you know, try to, you know, um, play the prank on, he suddenly disappeared. Mm-hmm. So they look all around the house and they start suspecting each other, you know, and is this another trick, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they go through the house and they eventually find him in the bathroom. So they all rush into the bathroom and he's in a corner screaming and crying. And they say to him, Are, are, oh, I can't remember what his name is. Are, Babu, kya hua? And he's just, he's, he's, you know, he's lying there crying and he's just, and, and then they try to explain it to him, right? Like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. Deepti did this and Shiva right. did this. Ye kuch sach nahi hai, they tell him. And so then the show ends with this line. He stands in the corner, he points to one corner of the room and says, Agar ye sab chut hai, to wo kya hai? And standing in this corner is this most horrifying thing. And it cuts. Damn. Goosebumps. Oh my God. I've got <laughs> I know, to... right? I know, right? It's a great line. <laughs> is what he says. And he's pointing constantly to the corner. And it slowly cuts to the corner where this thing is. And it ends there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. I don't remember the scene. But I'm just yeah. trying to imagine that episode. <sighs> Oh, it's it's one of the greatest horror experiences of my life. I have to say, I remember feeling so scared, but also joyous that that they had pulled that off. Um, and you know, they they in the, in James Wan, who directs the Conjuring movies, he does really well with those scares. But you know, even he is yet to do something that tops that particular scene in Ahad for me. Although I don't remember seeing this, but even when you you know, describe it. I I just get the sense of uh, the horror there. I think there's one scene in Insidious, right? Similar. Yes, thing. similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Because the the creature is standing in the corner and he's spreading his arms. You slowly see him. Um, but that's an interesting point you raise. I have seen that show. I loved it. I have told this story to so many people, and it's worked way better than the actual scene. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm saying, right? Let's say if I was watching the scene. Um, and my reaction and when you when you're just narrating this and the narration lasted what maybe two minutes or one yeah. minute it still had the same impact exactly it's perfect uh, campfire story <laughs> yes. yeah, perfect yeah and these, these campfire horror stories work i tell you um but um yeah the the auditory nature of horror stories is very interesting i know i use sfx in the stories but i limit it i limit it to five sounds a show on purpose because I don't want to overdo it either. Because what I want is I want the theater of the mind to operate. I want the listener to put in the effort to color the world, which they conveniently do, um, because that's what they want. They want to visualize it in their head. The sounds last for a few seconds and leaves the soundscape so that it continues in the head of the listener. And then the dialogue is very similar to like the stinger at the end of the Ahad story. I mean, what a great dialogue. I still remember to this day, like the way he's sitting in the corner, he's listening to all these people telling him, everything's okay, we did the prank, and he's still pointing to the corner going, Agar ye sab chut hai, to wo kya hai? That, that, that sentence is the punch. Uh, yeah, that is the punch. That is the punch. And that's, that's not a visual effect. Like, I'm sure if we go back and look at that Ahad episode, that monster looks terrible compared to our modern VFX standard, right? 
was about to say it's not about what is standing in the corner how it looks it's about yeah. the way he says that and uh, that suddenly you know exactly. feels a- Exactly. And it strings, they stretch that scene. And I, I don't know who directed it. Kudos to you, sir, because that's the fundamental um, horror technique that you need to employ to get a surreal scare out of something, which is to stretch something like a string till it breaks, but not to break it and then deliver the dialogue, which is what happens there. Wow. It's the, the terrifying thing is not the monster. The terrifying thing is that he, that thing has been standing there all that time. Yes, oh man! Yes, oh. <laughs> insane. All that time—it's a lengthy monologue too, because like the the douchebag jock guys laughing and he's saying, oh, "You know, I'm so glad I got you. Oh, this is so good." And Deepthi, the regretful girl, is saying, "Look, that ghost woman—that was me. I am so sorry. I beg your forgiveness. I beg you for you know." And you can see the guy. It cuts to the guy. He doesn't care. He he's gone. He's He's enduring a greater terror than what any of these people have inflicted on him in 45 minutes of that episode. Man. Do we still have that episode? You know what? I I think it might be there somewhere in the YouTube or something. We should take it out. If you guys find it, people who are listening to this, go find that episode. Watch it like I watched it on a late, you know, late evening, just like the the lads from the writer and the geek did it. You know, um, you know, work up the atmosphere. Make sure you don't pee. Make sure you, don't, <laughs> you hold your pee till the last minute. And I, I, I swear, you are not going to go to the bathroom after that scene. You will not. And if you can find it, please link it to us. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing with mine. I, will, right? I, I always think about. Uh, see, I, as I said earlier, we don't believe in all these things. We know for a fact that they don't exist or whatever it is. But the moment you watch something like this you have this inherent terror coming out inside you that you look at a door which is half closed and you start wondering what is outside. You start questioning yeah. everything. Right? <laughs> I have had That's issues going to, see that going to restroom thing, even though we just, you know, mentioned it um, just like a funny way, but it happens. It happens. When 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 I watch something like this, I'm really terrified to go and go out knowing that there are my people just in the other rooms and, you know, I'm very familiar yeah, yeah. with my my house is uh, and I know for a fact what happens when I'm still scared and this is one of the reasons uh, you know I usually don't prefer watching horror movies alone because once I remember very distinctly once I tried doing it I was again we were in Kerala nobody was at home I thought it would be a really good idea to watch Omen <laughs> the first yeah. part Rewatch. Yeah, it was rewatch. Uh, I know the story and all that. So what I did, I just started. It was a DVD and it was a collection of all the four Omen movies. Uh, I think the first yeah. one was a. So, I just put the DVD in, and when they show the menu, there is this weird, horrifying music that plays. Yeah, I just mm. heard the music. I shut it down immediately, and that is the effect mm. that sound had on me. Yeah. I mean, we could do an entire episode on how SFX is crucial to creating horror atmosphere on the sound. Like when I watch horror, I watch it with one finger in one of my ears because of the sound, because I hate, I don't, I'm not worried about the visual on screen. I hate the jump scare sound. I hate it. Even I hate that. I hate uh, the sudden kind of. Yeah. yeah, For example, uh, there was this uh, game, The Mummy. Yeah. Yeah. It's had like those creatures, you know, breaking they jump the out of the walls. walls. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I used to, never used to play it just because of that. 
Yeah. Have you ever played Dead Space? No. Dead Space, if you get a chance to play it on PlayStation or Xbox, please play it. If you want a great horror experience, that game is stupendous. Imagine the Exorcist experience you had only extrapolated over eight to nine hours. It's incredible. Like, wow. um, and it's a different kind of horror. It's body horror. It's horror in space, uh, but it's incredible. And again, the success of that game was actually the use of sound effects. It won a lot of awards for its use of sound effects. Um, but I just want to quickly now talk a bit about the fact that, you know, we are so joyous talking about Ahat and uh, some of these movies, but we are living in the prestige horror era. Great horror movies are happening. Great directors, great actors want to take part, uh, to be part of great horror franchises. And, you know, in the, in the, in the next few years, we've already had some amazing ones like Hereditary, which I love, which I talk about nonstop. I talked about this on the podcast with Naga and, you know, I recommend that you watch it and your audience watch it, just watch it too. Uh, but we are in the prestige horror era. Um, we are, horror is being used to discuss, uh, issues of race politics, feminism, um, and also, you know, terrorism, but also staying in that space where we understand human beings are truly horrifying and that we are almost returning back to that supernatural element. And with all these sort of techniques we are talking about, we're only going to see very effective use of them to create great horror movies. So I'm just absolutely excited for what's coming up. And in that sense, like, it'd be great to see India embrace the trend and produce some great horror movies. And obviously genre writers like me can be a part of it. Like I'm already trying to reach out to some studios to try and make some prestige horror, um, uh, projects. I'm doing some outlines for some studios in that space, but also, you know, storytelling in the podcasting space is a good way to do it. Um, I mean, one thing that was very refreshing for me was the movie Tumbad. Have you seen that? Tumbad. Uh, I have no, I think a lot. My podcast, Tumbad, you absolutely have to watch Tumbad. Tumbad is not just the greatest horror movie made by, in India. It's also one of the greatest horror movies ever made, full stop. Oh. I give it my glowing, glowing recommendation. And a lot of people who really love movies, love horror movies, or just love movies, full stop. Hmm. rate Tumbad absolutely amazingly. So I think his name is Sohail Shah. Sohail Shah what? is the actor. This is Hindi movie. So it's, it's a Hindi movie, yeah. So it's spelled T-U-M-B-A-A-D. Oh, got it. I was just Googling it. Yeah, it is incredible. It has a soundscape like nothing that we've encountered in Indian cinema before. It's got a richly textured horror story Nothing like we've encountered in Indian cinema or world cinema for that matter. And it's got a very different three-act narrative structure um, that that really engrosses you in the story and in the characters. It, it took them years and years to make that movie. They took so long to write the script, to produce it. For simple reasons, like they were waiting for the perfect shot of the darkened sky on a certain scene or they were waiting for a particular location to open up and just the production design and the music that's gone behind it. My God, I strongly recommend you, both of you settle down. I, in fact, everyone who's listening to this, please organize a Tumbad watching party, bring your friends together who love good storytelling, good horror, 
you know, um, organize some BAs, sit and watch it. You will love it. Awesome. I'm sure that we're going to do this. Yeah. What about tonight? <laughs> oh, so, maybe not. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the things yeah, that I was... Yeah. As we were talking, right? I mean, I have always tried to stay away from this horror genre wherever I could, uh, you know, I could. But after this conversation, I think I have come to appreciate a good storytelling and all those kind of things. So it looks like I would be watching more, more horror movies in the coming uh, coming days. Yeah. Same here. Like, nice to uh, Having this conversation, you know... Uh, a little bit of respect, you know, for what they're doing, the effort they're putting uh, putting into all these things. And uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to watch horror movies, uh, you know, and probably put myself in, into it a little more. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good way to enjoy it. Like, I, I enjoy old movies like that because... Uh, but, you know, I, I suppose, like, sometimes you have to be introduced to a genre by someone so you can really appreciate its nuances. And uh, perhaps that's what's happened here. Sometimes... Uh, it could be that there aren't many good movies to engage with, but now definitely is the is the moment to engage with horror with all these amazing prestige horror products projects coming on board, and you know and podcasts like mine, where I try to bring the movie structure into uh, the storytelling. And I want to, I don't want to be the person who is complaining that we are not getting great horror projects from India. I want to be the person who provides great horror stories for Indians to cherish. And we've got such a richly textured mythology. Uh, and we live in a country where we are faced with, in, in India, we have existential terrors facing up, up every day, be it through some of the news items we consume or the things that we see when we step out of our house. So I'm hoping that um, Fear FM on Indian Noir and other future projects that I'll do in horror will reflect that and will become great examples of uh, great Indian horror movies or stories or audio tales. I think... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there is a lot of potential and uh, pretty sure we'll see you there soon, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, um, you know, uh, I am at least really glad to have at least one channel, uh, you know, one one podcast which, which is focusing on the stories uh, that you are kind of saying. Because... Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of commercial stories, very similar kind of stuff. But the way you uh, tell these, uh, you know, urban legend kind of stories, which, you know, probably two friends might sit and talk about. Um, yes. That that really is fascinating. And I think that is a kind of, uh, that would be the foundation for upcoming stories, at least from India is what I feel. And I hope so would, too. I mean, <laughs> but, sorry, I wanted to add that, you know, I mean, the thing is, it I use that structure and comes from a place where I've had 15 years of training as a professional writer. I used to teach creative writing in university, especially story structure. So I have a deep understanding of how a story needs to be uh, formulated for maximum impact. And I'm a professional voice actor. So I try to bring all of these together for a selfish reason, which is to try and recreate those amazing nights I had around campfires or feeling oh, yeah. scared. And exactly. it's, it's shown like how passionate you are about it. Exactly. Thank and you. And it feels, it feels really personal and close to heart as well, right? I mean, um, when you're yeah. doing it out of your passion and you're trying to amalgamate all your other skills into this, uh, it, it really shows in the production and uh, the kind of stories that you tell. Thank you. No, it's been great being on the show, guys. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, I might have I think, about, I, I hope I haven't bored you to death with some of the theories surrounding 
Yeah. <laughs> I think, as I said, uh, uh, you know, I think this is one of the most interesting conversations that we have had in a long time with yeah. on any topic, not just horror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and many, many, um, we relived a lot of moments from our uh, experiences with horror as well. And some of the very, very interesting stories from your side as well. I think this this is going to be one of the most, uh, you know, interesting episodes on Right Right. Yeah, Deep like well. we actually didn't know, like we actually went through all these, uh, you know, experiences. But while talking, you know, the flow was like perfect, I exactly. feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And same here. It was so wonderful to A, talk to you guys, but B, I th- it just felt like, you know, I was just sitting with some friends and having a conversation and, you know, people who listen to this, I hope they have get that same feeling too. And, um, and I, I'm, I'll, I'll be closely observing Twitter and Instagram to see what people say about some of their personal experiences after listening to it. I'm very curious to hear that. So, so anyone who is listening to this, uh, please let us know what you felt and what <laughs> your probably share some of some of your uh, stories as well uh, related to horror experiences and all that. Uh, yes. But before we wind up, uh, Nikesh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, your stories and maybe a little bit about yourself and um, your podcast. Sure. So my official website is www.nikeshmurali.net. That collates all my voice acting projects all the podcasts and the books. But Indian Noir, India's number one crime and horror podcast is on every single platform there is. And uh, I'm always happy to engage with um, listeners on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Indian Noir. On Instagram, I am at underscore Nikesh Murali. And I hope this is not the last time I, I am on Writer and the Geek. I hope I get to come on at a future stage and we can share more of these amazing supernatural stories and yes listeners please uh, come back with your uh, experiences but particularly curious about what you thought about how uh, you know our discussion on ahat that episode and how that story was narrated and actually you stole the words from my mouth i definitely uh, want you ba- you know we want you back on the show and we I- i'm sure that we can have another uh, you know hour long discussion about uh, stuff related to horror and all that and we uh, thoroughly enjoyed this episode as well um, thank you Nikesh for your time uh, in, uh, you know from your busy schedule for us and uh, we really enjoyed this episode and I'm yeah. sure that all our listeners would do as well and I'm sure they're going to re- uh, respond back to us and let us know about yeah. what they felt about everything that we talked here look I'm really glad that you enjoyed it because it's 12.48 here but just past Ooh. midnight and I have to step into a darkened room you have filled my head with all these images I don't uh, think I'll be able to get out of this room. I'm just going to be sleep here. I think I'll, I'll with, with the lights on. You know, all I could uh, I can say is uh, you have a good night. <laughs> yeah, just don't talk about Malia. <laughs> <Just> yes, <don't. laughs> lovely, lovely talking to both of you. Thank you.